I swore to my master that one day his descendants would rule again. This is my chance. Only Hamad stands in the way. You were behind the assassination attempt. That was your man this afternoon? Your timing was unfortunate. But Providence has spoken, and you shall be her hand. You shall kill Hamad for me. Kasim, I'm not an assassin. Hamad is a monster. Those who object to his rule are jailed and executed. Five thousand and four years. Doctors, professors, newspaper publishers, anyone who dares to speak freely. A man like that does not deserve to rule or to live. Yes, but it's not for me to judge. No. You are not as Judge McLeod. I am. You, my friend, are his executioner. I can't. You must. For a large man, you have a small bedroll. Welcome to Highlander Rewatched, the podcast where each and every week we revisit the Highlander universe and discuss it in detail. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. You know what they say about a man's bedroll. If he has a big bedroll, he has big shoes? Yeah, that was actually it. You actually nailed that. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Big bedroll, big shoes. That's right. Big, big D. Toe. Big Duncan. Big Duncan. Big yeah. Duncan. Big heavy swinging Duncan. Donkey. Donkey. <laughs> heavy swinging Donkey. So, oh welcome. Oh, God. <laughs> welcome Who to Highlander Rewatch. That? This week we're going to be discussing season four, episode 15, Promises. But before oh, we get shit. into that. I thought that, we were just going to make a bunch of promises to each other. Uh, like some would be sweet, it. but some get would rings. be like swear vengeance. Promise rings? Well, Eamon's already got a promise ring for me. Promise Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He's, uh, or saving Lord of the Promise he's, Rings. He's saving his Shire for me. <laughs> the scouring of the Shire. <laughs> oh, no. That's disgusting. What do you mean? All right. Well, uh, on previous... It's a beautiful promise. I know, yeah, right. It is beautiful. On previous episodes, you may have heard our ad for Highlander writer Maury Ravinsky's new book, the Heart and Other Strangers. But uh, it's been a little bit since we've recorded, uh, since the book came out. We thought we might talk about it a little bit right now live for you. Um, so Maury's new book, The Heart and Other Strangers, is a collection of 10 short stories. It's really great. I've read it. The stories are very funny. I think all of Maury's episodes, I think, have a nice sense of humor. Um, the Fighter sticks out in particular, which was his that very is a great first episode. Yeah, it's got kind of a little bit of vaudeville, vaudevillian flair, I think, uh, and pacing. But yeah, Maury, uh, I think it, you've heard in the ad, David Abramowitz says, like, he has a different way to look at things. And uh, it really comes through in the book. A lot of the stories are real great genre twists on fairy tales and... I don't know, social norms. Which is something that's really fun to play with in a short story format because you can tackle a lot of different material and in a format that's like tight and then you can move on. Yeah, and you can change your to, style. Yeah, without having to live in one place the entire time. Mm -hmm. So short stories, underused format. So get in there and appreciate it. Yeah, uh, and a lot of the stories feature dialogue. Uh, it's like pretty dialogue heavy stories uh, for the most part, which is really great. You can really visualize, I think, the stories kind of play out like a movie when you read them. And yeah, they're super touching too. I know there was one in particular, Doc and the Bungalow Queen, got me like teary-eyed at the end of reading it. It's a really sweet 
love story of, of sorts, you would call it. Um, but anyway, it's a really great book, and you can go to theheartandotherstrangers.com to buy it. Maury's a really great guy. Uh, you can see a cool interview with him and his wife, Alicia, on our Facebook page um, that we their recorded. Their trip, and they're, you know, they play off well together, and they're like writing partners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, that was an interesting interview. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can hear what he wrote us about uh, his own episode, Brothers in Arms. That's right. Yeah, we uh, discussed the letter he wrote us about Brothers in Arms and how personal that episode was uh, for him. And that's a really, that's a, a great episode, I think. That's a top, I mean, that's top tier Highlander stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Make sure you check out that book. Support the Highlander uh, alumni and writing community. It's Friend of the stuff. pod, Moira Ravinsky. Mm-hmm. Look them up. And, and the book is available on uh, Kindle as well. The book is not expensive. You can spend 10 bucks, right? Do it. You have 10 bucks. Whatever. You've got a couple bucks. You got a couple bucks. Skip. Pack your lunch one day. Don't go buying pizza. Get this book instead. It'll nourish your brain and your heart, mm-hmm. not your thighs. Pizza's <laughs> going right to your thighs. It goes, it's going right to mine, anyway. Ravinsky it up. So, before we jump into this episode, I thought we'd take a trip down memory lane and revisit the Highlander merchandise catalog. Who? So, listeners, I'm going to be reading from the 2000 catalog. The year 2000. In the Um, And so the way this works is I'm going to read the description and show them a picture of the item in question. And Kyle and Eamon are going to try to guess the price, getting as close to it as possible to win. We've abandoned any Price is Right requirements. Take that, Bob Barker. Roll over in your fucking grave. Yeah. He's dead, right? Neuter this. I'm not sure if he's dead. Actually, yeah. He might still... Or did he die? I don't know. Drew Carey's been running that show for a long time. He has to be dead. And no man who punches Happy Gilmore in the face could be alive. Deserves to be alive. That's right. All right, guys. Here we go. The limited edition Best of Highlander pocket watch. So there's another Best of Highlander. Highlander. Like, I don't understand how you can market something as the best of something. It's like they created this logo, this Best of Highlander logo, and we're like, we got to put it on. Fucking everything. Everything. But it's like, oh, I want Best of Highlander, not just Highlander. Mm -hmm. All right, here we are. Of all the portable timepieces ever... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right, go ahead. Of all the portable timepieces ever created, the pocket watch is the only one truly blessed with a mortal style. Wow. Have a blessed pocket watch. Yeah, so like watches don't count? Nope. I guess not. Well, they're not truly blessed. (laughs) Older than Duncan McLeod, this classic piece that fastly defies fad and fashion decade after decade. He says century after century. Yeah, older than Duncan. How old is the the, the clock, even? I don't know. Let alone the pocket watch? Let alone the pocket watch. Wow. I mean, Duncan's 400 years old, so did they have pocket watches in 1600? Ooh. Maybe. I'm going to say maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Googling this after we play this. Well, would the best of Highlander catalog really not research this? You're right. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Clearly. It's the best. This catalog is also head and shoulders above inferior other Highlander merchandise catalogs. This is the best. Like convention knockoff photos. Yeah. Suffice it to say, the pocket watch is an international icon. Wow. Of what? Time? Time, yeah. (laughs) Of watches. Our best of Highlander version honors this immortal status in a special collector's edition of remarkable beauty and elegant design. Precision crafted for us by Fossil, the piece features a gorgeous stainless steel body, deep polish to resemble lightly textured pewter, and to harken to the ancient influence of the Highlands. (laughs) Wow. The stunning best of Highlander crest 
emblem on the watch cover highlights extraordinary detail that includes the beautiful custom collector's edition display box featuring a pressed metal Highlander katana plaque on its cover. Limited to 1,000 pieces. Signed. Only 1,000? Only 1,000. Signed and numbered certificate of authenticity. Signed by whom? AP? The watchmaker? I don't know. I don't know. The back of the watch says TM and copyright Davis Panzer Productions Incorporated limited edition one out of a thousand and it says Japan wow and that's like prominently displayed like the front of it has the crest I mean you can see here the front has the crest but the back has that like has like copyright information just as big as the fucking logo like it's so big why would I want to see that? That's not stylish. Nope. Well, I, like the, I mean, the front's not bad. Yeah, it's a handsome watch. Does handsome. it come with that it's box? It's smart. It does come with the box. Which What's in the like, box? It does have the Highlander What's logo in the box? It. It's a best of Highlander watch. Yeah. <laughs> what if that's what they pulled out? <laughs> that's actually what's in the box. <laughs> Why, it's a best of Highlander watch. All right, guys. So there's only a thousand of these. This immortal time piece. What do we think this is costing? We got the watch. We got the box. Watch and box combo. All right. Eamon, I think you had to go first last time, so I will wade out into this pool and guess $179. Damn. I was going to say 150 like my number of preferred Pokemon. Ah, interesting. So you're not a believer in Mew? No. Mew's out. 151st? No Mew. Yeah. No missing no. Hashtag Mewtwo. Hashtag Mewtwo. Mewtwo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There's a lot of layers on that. That is such a good joke, though. Welcome to the layer cake. (laughs) So how much do we think? Oh, you We we both are your guests. (laughs) Sorry. My mind wasn't in the... What uh, are you, me? In the last episode? All right. Eamon is the winner. It is a hundred and twenty nine dollar watch. Wow! Well done, Eamon. Thank you. Very good. You know, I was overpricing that box. I know that box is fancy. It's a cheap ass box. Fucking plywood. (laughs) Well, I'm sure it is. Right. Also, I was guessing they marked it up by like thirty bucks for it. What was it? The stainless steel body. That's that's polished like pewter. Polished to resemble pewter. That's true. That that description was to say it's overwrought. I mean, we say that every time, but it was overwrought. But it didn't say anything that was that. Enticing. I feel like after reading that, like you know how people like input like books or a script into like a bot, and mm-hmm. then have it try to generate its own. I feel like we should do that with what the Highlander catalog, like, and then have a computer try to generate a fucking description for something, and it probably would do pretty well. Yeah, that's a good idea. Would so, it be the best of Highlander though? Hopefully, yeah. best of pocket watches. When do you gentlemen think that the pocket watch was actually invented? Ooh. There's some asterisks on this, but Damn. I'm gonna actually say invented. 1760. 1760? Yeah. Would you have it being younger than Duncan McLeod? Younger, yeah. Hmm. I could be completely wrong. Just seems like there's so many little pieces. I'm going to trust the catalog and say 1600. Is that right? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So the first time pieces to be worn were made in 16th century Europe, were transitional in size between clocks and watches. These watches were fastened to clothing or worn on a chain around the neck. 
So wait, the so original like the, pocket watches basically made you flavor 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 yeah. <laughs> flavor flavor. Uh, but then wow. in the fast forward to the late 16th century, they started having pocket watches that contained only an hour hand. Okay. And then by the 17th century, men were wearing watches in their pockets instead of as pendants, and that is also the century in which you started to see minute hands. Interesting. On the Very pocket good. watches. So well, we've learned something today. Yeah. And we yeah. hope you have too at home. 1610 is when they started covering them with glass. Wait, so it's just exposed? It used to just be exposed. So you could just like put it like you just <laughs> knock the, the hands around by accident. Yeah. Huh. It's a bad system. Yeah. Flavor, flavor. Well, I guess it, it probably be... had a cover on it, though. Yeah. It probably Maybe made a glass. Yeah. Probably made it very hard to hype up the audience properly. Yeah. <laughs> so is Flavor Flav, did he get that because he's immortal? He yes. Or he's, he's a time, used to time lord. Or a time lord. <laughs> Doctor who? <laughs> Dr. Flav. Dr. Flav. So are we ready to hop into this episode, guys? I promise. Oh, good. Boy. Funny you should mention that, Eamon, because today we were talking about Season 4, Episode 15, Promises. This episode was first aired February 26th, 1996. This episode was directed by Paolo Barsman. He's still kicking. And this is it. He's about this to kick it? the bucket. Oh. Because he died. No, yeah. he didn't. He's still alive. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but this is the last Paolo episode. Maybe we should give a run. out on a fucking weird one, man. <laughs> yeah. So let's give a rundown of what his Highlander episodes have been. Uh, season one, he did Avenging Angel and the Hunters. The Hunters. Oh. One of those is pretty good. I, I like Avenging Angel. <laughs> you're all about it. It's just because you're a Spat Hell Ballet fan. That's right. <laughs> Uh, season two, we did The Darkness, Ooh. Legacy, mm. Counterfeit Part One. Mm. And in season three, he did Blackmail. They also serve Song of the Executioner, Starcrossed, Take Back the Night, Chivalry, and The Blitz. Although some of those are season four episodes. I, uh, yeah, Chivalry and The Blitz are, are season, season four. four. So it's 13 total episodes from he Mr. Did, Barsman. He did some heavy lifting there in season three. Yeah. Like he really had some heavy duty episodes. He's lifting the Barsman. <laughs> very good. Not raising it. So yeah, guys, that's what I meant to say. Just <laughs> lifting it. This, He's also very in shape. This, oh. <laughs> Do you even lift Paolo? Yeah. This episode was written by Lauren Shore, Larry Shore. And guess what? This is also his last episode. It's like fucking graduation day. They're all moving oh, on. Uh, so let's do a rundown of his eps. Um, season one, Eye of the Beholder. How many Heathcliff episodes did he do? <laughs> season two, he did The Darkness. Hey, another Palo episode. Warmonger. Prodigal Son. Oh, he also wrote Warmonger? Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's almost like he wrote the episode Warmonger twice. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> what was the episode uh, the other week that the woman had written that also wrote Rite of Passage? Oh. That was also like a repeat? Right. Timeless. Yes, Timeless. Got uh, a lot season, of mileage. Yeah, season three, Larry Shore wrote Obsession. They also serve Ugh. and Mortal Sins. Hey, Mortal Sins is good. Mortal Sins is good. Season four, he wrote Leader of the Pack. Uh, and Promises. So he did nine episodes total. This bitch is in heat. <laughs> so, real question though. Is Leader of the Pack the the best worst episode of Highlander? Yeah. yeah. I adore it's, that episode. It's, I love it. It's, it's, it's not a It's not a clunker, but it's the craziest it's shit. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He was supposed to kill the boy. <laughs> now, every time we talk about Larry Shore, you know what we talk about. Heathcliff. No. Oh, Hanukkah Hoops. Hanukkah, Hanukkah Hoops. Hoops from way downtown. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Larry Shore works with a nonprofit Jewish organization, which brings community and Jewish heritage to basketball. basketball. Yeah, it's uh, great. It's great. We keep swinging and missing on updates on this, trying to find this movie. 
Do I actually have an update this time? No. Yes! Oh, shit. <laughs> so I tracked down another producer of Highlander Hoops. Highlander Hoops? Oh, I, I, mean, would defi- I, mean, I would definitely <laughs> watch that Highlander movie. Hoops. Or like play a video game where you're a bunch of Highlander characters <laughs> playing <laughs> Highlander basketball. Hoops? Somebody, somebody challenges Mac. He's like, no. Let's free throw for it. <laughs> like, and play game of horse. <laughs> Which is basically just the plot of Escape from L.A. Yeah. He uh, pierces the ball. Sony, I contacted producer Jay Gordon. Hey, hey Jay. Jay. And Jay has informed me that the movie will not be ready until 2022. Oh, my <laughs> what? God. 2022? What That's are they what he doing? Said. Avengers 4 is coming out before that, I right? Know. Yeah. There's going to be like four Hanukkahs <laughs> before it comes out. What the F? I don't know. IMDb said this movie was done. Space Jam 2 is going to come out before right. this. Ooh, that's going to be tough. Maybe that's like, maybe they're trying to like come out in its orbit. So it's like people, oh, it's what's oh, another basketball. Space. When I looked on IMDb, it said it was filming now. But doesn't is it also say it's been released? What we did before? I didn't I think, think it's it was. changed. I, I think, because like, You've even the. changed, man. Even the description on <laughs> Hanukkah Hoops Hanukkah has Hoops. changed. Yeah. Well. So anyway, in 2022. Maybe we'll bring the podcast back if it doesn't exist anymore just yeah. to talk about this. Absolutely. We'll have Larry on. Sure. And Jay Gordon. Sure. <laughs> Larry, sure. Sure. Yeah, Larry, sure. <laughs> Very good. So let's talk about the, the premise of the movie has changed. It's longer from downtown. They're playing a much more inside game. Yeah. <laughs> really, work, really working the boards. Yeah. A lot of man to man instead of zone. <laughs> Ah, man to man. Now we're talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This episode guest stars Kristen Minter as Rachel McLeod. This is her last appearance. She was also in Homeland as Max Cousin. And then in and Del- this one, he's in it as her kissing cousin. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, and she was also briefly in Deliverance uh, in kind of a setup to this episode, um, yeah. as it were. And she provided the sword to help mm-hmm. Mac uh, chase off the demons in his brain. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Brain demons. Oh, and of course, she's also in Cool, cool as Ice, the 1991 Vanilla, Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice feature. Yes. With a strong emphasis on him as the Brando right. character. Assuming the Marlon Brando Brando role. Uh, Everyone should see that movie. I barely good. remember it, but he does a lot of motorcycle tricks, and I remember loving it. It's a ridiculous soundtrack. And he hops over a fence. In the motorcycle. In the motorcycle with like a horse. It's like a horse motorcycle race. Um, this episode also <laughs> guest stars Rico Ross as Kasim. Uh, he's done What's lots- his name? I think it's Kasim. I always want to say Kasim, but, ne- but they don't ever say Kasim, do they? This is going to be one of those weird Highlander yeah. pronunciation Kasim. things. I feel like when they it's say his name, gotta it's Gotta Kasim all. Gotta Kasim all. <laughs> I think when they say no, his name, it's always Kassim. K- I know how it's spelled, but it's pronounced Ketsum. <laughs> yeah, Ketsum. <laughs> There's a really good interview with um, Mr. Rico Ross on the I Was There 2 podcast. Oh, really? Where he talks about his role in Aliens. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's so that's cool. worth a listen if you all like podcasting. Mm-hmm. No, that's not for us. Yeah. But yeah, he's nope. been in a, in a bunch of stuff. So. Yeah, Hackers. Pill Street Blues, Doctor Who, or and some TV a roles. Taco Bell promotional video called Taco Bell Web of Fries. <laughs> <laughs> and then Taco Bell Web of Fries 2 Franchise Wars, which oh. is that a Demolition Man prequel? I hope yeah, so. All like restaurants it. are now Taco Bell. This episode also... Also, is Rick short for Rico? Can people named Rico go by Rick? Oh, that's a good question. I'm just wondering if... Rick? Rico, oh, Game yeah. of Thrones, because uh, then he's just Rick Ross. 
Yeah. Oh, interesting. This episode also guest stars Benjamin Fettelson as Hamad. He's been in a lot, including The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, The Last Crusade, and he was also in an episode of Highlander the Raven. Oh, Not wow. as this character. No, but he was also in the episode For Evil's Sake, the season one episode of Highlander, as Carlo Lucchesi. I don't remember who that is. Yeah, me Is neither. that the guy who Kyler assassinates in the past? Maybe. Oh, maybe. Hmm. Huh. As an evil clownman. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes they're sometimes they're able to bring people back. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I didn't even realize they yeah. were in a another Other episode. times it's so obvious. It's, <laughs> know, it's ridiculous. This episode also guest stars Vernon Dobchief as Hamad. Uh wait, I just read that one. You just <laughs> read it. Christ. No, you read or Benjamin Fiedelson. Did he play Nasir oh, Al Son Deneb? of a bitch. I switched them up. I misread my notes. You so I read it. Benjamin Fiedelson and he's Nasir Al Deneb. I switched it up. Uh, he's been in like mostly all French stuff, but he was also in the original Superman movie as second copy boy. Oh, perfect! <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's in not the ready Daily for Planet to be the first offices. copy boy. Yeah, but the uh, the actor who was in the Spy Who Loved Me as Samad that is Vernon Dobchev. 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 Finally, this episode guest stars Peter Wilson as Inspector. <laughs> She doesn't even have a name on IG. She's the new Beige Watch. Yes. Yeah. She's Beige Watch 2. Lost Beige in Watch New York. Nights. <laughs> Beige Watch Nights. Does anyone remember Beige Watch Nights? I no. sure do. That's right. It was like a detective-y show. Well, I guess yeah. it has to be because lifeguards don't work at night. Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> so to, to make ends meet, David Hasselhoff is a private detective at nighttime. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, still the Hoff. Still the Hoff. Wow. And I think at one point he fights werewolves or something. Oh, well, it's, it's the it's night. night. <laughs> yeah. It's nighttime. Come out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so that Peter show Wilson, definitely didn't jump the shark. Yeah. No, not at all. She was Nikita in the television version Nikita. of La Femme Nikita. There we go. Those are our guest stars. Ready for the IMDb episode description? Let's hit it. Duncan must fulfill a promise he made hundreds of years ago to an immortal named Cassim for saving a young boy's life. And in return, Duncan owes Cassim. Ugh. Yeah, okay. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is the IMD description we know and love. Duncan stops an assassination attempt on a president. <laughs> on a president. <laughs> and for doing so, the president grants Duncan anything he desires. Is Whoa. that? I don't know if that's He's really not right. a genie. I know. <laughs> Duncan I rub, anyone... rubs his belly. <laughs> I can't make anyone fall in love with anybody else. Kasim tells Duncan that he would like for him to murder the president. So one of his aides can take the throne. Does a president sit on a throne? No. Yeah, That's presidential good. throne. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Duncan can't do it. And Kasim is shot during another attempt because the president figured out Kasim was in on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Duncan asked the president to grant him the favor the president owes him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Holy shit. I got to read this again. Duncan asked the president to grant him the favor the president owes him by not killing his aide. His aide? Which aide? You didn't say which one. The president refuses and kills him anyway. Kasim is pissed off. Kasim <laughs> <laughs> is pissed off that Duncan did not follow through on his word and kidnaps Rachel. In exchange for her back, he has to fight him. Duncan spares Kasim's life and grabs Rachel back. 
and then proceeds to kill the president for not following through on his words. Spoiler. Wow. There we that go. Is, and that that's the episode. We don't need to talk about it We've been it your now. rewatchers. Yeah, Duncan really gets pissed off. The YouTube is just, Kassim, an immortal to whom Duncan made a promise, demands that McLeod assassinate a tyrannical dictator of a Middle Eastern country. Did they ever name what this country is? I don't believe so. I don't think so either. It's like a Parmistan. It's yeah. like, I feel like it's hinted that it might be Moroccan or something. Hmm. Well, because they like, originally were in North Africa yeah. at some point. I don't know. It is hinted that it's Morocco. Yeah. So, guys, let's talk about this episode. How does it open up? So, Mac and Rachel are in a park just walking around. Just on a date. Just flirting. Like cousins do. Yeah. Cousin stuff. She's been there for two weeks, apparently. And they've just been tooling around Paris. Just not ever discussing the fact that Mac's a magic man. Right. And Mac is, like, perplexed by this. He doesn't understand why she doesn't want to know. And she's like, I get that you're magic. And it's like, what? Like You do? This is weird. <laughs> yeah. She says, no explanations are necessary. And Max's response to this is get the horniest look on his face that he's ever gotten. The phrase, no explanations needed, is McLeod Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is what he's wanted all along. Well, yeah. Yeah. I just hey, look- and it's only been two weeks since he almost raped somebody. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Just remember that. Two, two weeks, weeks ago. Best. And Max really taking it easy after... Yeah. You know, his cuckolding porn adventure. <laughs> this is what he wanted all the, And th- that B word, Anne. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she had she all those questions. Just shut like up, Anne. And Mac is making up for this by being a cartoon character. He is running in place in circles around her. He's lifting her up and just carrying her around for no reason. Yeah, he's on Cloud but, Nine. McLeod, yeah. McLeod, 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 he's on nine. McLeod yeah. Nine. I, I do not understand this version of McLeod. It's like... He got a joke injection. It's like, boy, raping and killing people really <laughs> was a gl- made me a gloomy Gus. Let me uh, compensate for that now. Yeah, this is maybe, it seems there the no, happiest like, he's been in a relationship yeah. ever. Like, ever. Like, I don't think he was ever this playful with Tess. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But not like well, lifting her up. Yeah. yeah. coffee. Make some coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> when confronted about how he survives, Connor explains it's a kind of magic is in fact perhaps his most iconic line when mcleod is asked about was is accused of being magic he informs you quote i'm not magic (laughs) (laughs) so is it a kind of magic or is it not a kind of magic make up your minds mcleods but she's getting homesick and she's like we should go home and mac's like oh we can go to the porch she's like no i mean like to the highlands and mac's not sure about that Um, he's like i'm not ready it's like ready for what yeah like what do you do it's probably he has still no a job. warrant yeah. out for his arrest for murdering that priest. Right. <laughs> he was clear to that. Uh, he was clear to that. <laughs> you know, as you as one does. So while they're walking, they pass some sort of like consulate or some mm-hmm. sort of fancy building, which almost looks like the uh, I don't know. It looks like where Gabriel Patone lived, and also kind of looks like the Hortons hideout. I think I don't know. I think they yeah. use this building all the time. It's, it's chateau, generic chateau. Yeah, but Matt gets the buzz. A classic Highlander trope ensues. He breaks up a shooting. He tells Rachel to like stay put, and she's like, "Oh, what's going on?" And he's like, "He says just do as do I, I say. say." And I was like, "This makes my does that phrase make your stomach kind of turn?" I was yes, like, do as I say. Like, well, she's not his child. Like, <laughs> but even with a child, I feel like it's like he's a. We're watching a period piece in which McCloud is an old timey king. Do as I do say. As I, say. Yeah. I am your lord. So he just leaves her. Right. To stop an assassination. Yeah, so there's this, like, weird 
dude lurking around. He pulls out a gun, and Mac like restrains him. But while he restrains him, the other immortal in this episode, Kasim or Kasim, but I think it's Kasim. We'll go with Kasim for the purposes of this. It doesn't feel right saying Kasim. No, Kasim. Kasim sounds better. I think it's Kasim. But I don't think they say that. I don't remember. We'll never know. We'll never know. (laughs) We'll get email about it. I think Duncan says Kasim, and everyone else says Kasim. Adrian's got a whole thing. He's got a whole thing. The, the, the Adrian Paul lexicon. Yeah. His expletives. His expletives. <laughs> uh, anyway, so while Mac has restrained this dude, Cassim fucking plugs this guy. Yeah, which was like, whoa, this like, is a bad dude. Right, like not necessary, but maybe we find out why Cassim yeah. wanted to kill this guy later. But he's he's unarmed. Isn't this a problem? I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. I guess is he unarmed at that point? I think he still has the gun, but Mac is restraining him. Either way, it's gruesome and very hazardous. It's like you totally could have shot Mac. Mac. Totally yeah. could have wasted yeah. Mac. So that's our cold open. So we know something's up here. Assassination attempt on a political figure. If it weren't for that stranger, I'd be dead. Right. So afterwards, the president is thanking Mac, and he wants to give him like a car. Wait, does he want to give him a car first? In his country, it's customary if you save someone's life that you owe them. So right. Like, He's, what a custom. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is like, is, is he all ADR'd in this scene, the yes. president? He is president ADR. It's terrible. Oh, maybe that's the name of his country. ADR? ADR. ADR. Ah, that's <laughs> from true. The, from the land like of that. ADR. ADR, yeah. I think it's ADR. ADR, yeah, in their language. But also, there's like some shade thrown immediately. Like, the guy casts him, like, thanks Mac as well, and goes to like shake his hand or what, or touch him. And like, Mac kind of pulls away, and it's like, oh, what's this about? Like, they clearly know each other. And they've known each other for 200 years. Mm-hmm. We get a flashback. That's right. To North Africa in 1755. Mm-hmm. We see just like a general village crowd and like, We've seen this village before. It's finale part one. Duh. Yeah. Finale part one. (laughs) Duh. According to the Highlander Wikipedia article, I don't know what the source of this is. The source. Hamza (laughs) El-Kahir is the teacher of Qasim. Oh, I feel like we read that in uh, maybe in the Watcher Chronicle. The Watcher Chronicle. That's That's amazing. Tying those threads together. (laughs) Oh, boy. And we get Qasim. Kasim, whatever his yeah. name is, he shows up uh, dressed as a Sunday school play character. Yes. So, like, the weirdest His glue. costume is awful. <laughs> the beard, beard is yeah. so, so fake. Yeah, it's... It looks like a cartoon or, like, yeah, a drugstore <laughs> costume beard. Yeah. So we find out that Kasim serves the House of El Deneb. Anyone else Google that? El Deneb. It's a, well, it's a constellation, right? Why don't yeah. you tell us about it, Kyle? No, it's just not real. Yeah, it's not real. Like, okay, I was yeah. curious if it was real. But. No. But it is a thing. Deneb, Al Deneb is a, you know, a sure. thing. Yeah, sorry, I didn't really read much about the Constellation. <laughs> yeah. I was like, not interested. Oh, boy. Deneb's and Deneb knots. I'm sorry, right. what? <laughs> Shit. So, <laughs> we cut right. to a... Oh, boy. Are you ready for some ostensible comic relief? Yeah. So, we cut to a little bit later, and Mac is like... He's on the beach. He has a boat. Yeah. And is he, this supposed to be we, like a beachfront property? It's a beachfront property. Yeah. Beachfront campground. Mac is cooking up a chicken or whatever. And wh- what is he singing? My body lies before the ocean. My body lies over the sea. This is, a, again, a very interesting version of Mac that we do not yeah. see very often. Yeah. Some dude's, ha- like, hanging out in the dark. And Mac, of course, with his, like, expert tracker skills or whatever, realizes, like, somebody's there. Anyway, he's just, like, 
kind of But street. how? He hasn't even met a Native American yet. <laughs> I know, right? This is some, like, street urchin sort of dude who shows up. I guess he's, what, a shoemaker? Yeah, named Raza. I don't like this character. Oh. No, because there's nothing likable about yeah. him. <laughs> he's like a coward. He's... Annoying. Annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very annoying. But though the initial interaction is a little bit funny. Yeah. Where he's like... I don't accept hospitality or charity. And he's like, maybe it was hospitality and not right, charity. Yeah. And then he All gets right, in, I'll do it. Yeah. And he gets in there to eat his yeah, chicken. So Mac and him share a little meal together. So he's on the run. Reza wants to journey with Mac. And he's a cobbler. So he says he'll give him some shoes. Right. Cool. Also, the way he eventually convinces Mac to stay is by convincing him that he is funny. Keep me around. I'm funny. And they tell this completely absurd joke that Raza doesn't even finish. Yeah, he tells a joke about Egyptians. Why do Egyptians sit on their camels backwards? So they don't have to turn around when they retreat. And this is very funny. This, this is episode. this is very yeah. funny. Yeah. Suck it, Egyptians. All I can think of was like Borat. Like this guy's a Borat-ish type character. Yeah, but Duncan already knows the joke. It's yeah. not even like Raza informed him of a new joke. And then Raza just says, I am very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like a child telling a joke. Yeah. I am very funny. So we cut to the next morning. Yeah. So they're walking around the village doing something. And I don't understand this conversation they're having at all. Well, it's like, this is like a who's on first style of like confusion. Like they're still trying to tell us how funny Raza is. Right. So. Yeah. I guess they're not sure what direction they're traveling in. Reza says like, when I choose the direction, it's usually the wrong one. And I, I don't know. It's like fucking crazy. Like <laughs> what is it? This dialogue Reza says, but there would still be three other directions to choose from. I would have to choose two more directions. Then take the remaining direction. The one I didn't, I was like, I just wrote this guy's a fucking idiot. Like no, I don't says, understand. He says, when I choose a direction, I choose the wrong direction. So Max says, you should choose a direction and then go the opposite way. Right. But then he's like, but there are more than two directions, so I'd have to choose eight directions. Oh and it's God. just like, ugh. Bleh. But then Pube Beard shows up. <laughs> yeah. And it's <laughs> if, the if same. If that's Pubes, he is a luscious yeah. <laughs> bush. A luscious bush. It this is, is, a, <laughs> is a little toad, toad from Mario Kart in a lush jungle. A gritty-esque <laughs> ocean of hair. I hope our listeners are all aware of Gritty, because you should be. They have to be. Yeah. He's the an new international, international icon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> new Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty. He's the hero we deserve, and I mean that with all seriousness. This is reused footage of Kasim looking around. It's the exact same footage. <laughs> cool. So, it's, yeah, Mac gets yeah. the buzz. Kasim shows up, and Reza just, just, like, just fucking bolts. He's like, oh, oh and he drops his, like, uh, bed, bed roll. roll. I said bedpan. Bedpan. He drops his bedpan. Yeah. <laughs> Shit flies everywhere. That was a deleted scene. <laughs> Heat. Mac is trying to kind of cover for Reza, because clearly Kasim and these goons are, like, looking for him, hunting him down. Right. Mac's like, I don't know. I'm just a traveler. I don't know what the fuck's going on. And this is where your line from the beginning of about a small bed roll for such a huge dick comes yeah, from. Right. So, so they catch Reza. What was his crime, guys? He sp- what kind of racist thing <laughs> is his crime? He spoke to the... Uh, the princess. The princess. In public, right. as if she was a, a common whore. Because yeah. the only way you could talk to a woman in public... Is if she's a common whore. <laughs> yeah. This is problematic. Who the fuck wrote this? 
Larry yeah. Shore. Oh boy. No, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I found that I my hackles were up. Up hackles. What's in whatever year this is? Seventeen fifty-five. Seventeen fifty-five. Yeah, he defied uh, the Amir's daughter. I looked up the um, Amir, and it's an Arab military leader or ruler. So that's what the Amir means. How about that? So Mac tries to fight them off, and they're surprisingly cool with this. They end up letting yeah. Mac go. Yeah. Even though he has definitely raised arms against them. Yeah, that's weird. They threaten Reza, and he's like, all right, I'll cool off. I'll be cool. That's that. For some and they reason. take him away, and yeah. they let so, Matt go. That story will continue later. But then yeah. we cut back to the present. The transition of this is a po- like a poster on the side of a van that just says, The Sahara Desert, where time <laughs> stands still. still. And also, the first time I read it, I legit thought it said where time sands still. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it didn't. I was bummed. That's so much better. That is better. But yeah, uh, interesting cut, I suppose. So Mac is invited to a party, mm-hmm. a little cocktail gathering. Uh, which he then convinces his cousin to go to as his plus one. And she's just standing off to the side. She's just been waiting this yeah, whole this time. Yeah, whole time. Just, she's, and then she's like, what happened? It's like, now he finally tells her. Yeah. Oh, it's never a dull moment in Paris. But she's like resisting to go to this party because she's like i don't have anything to wear and mac is like don't worry my my dead girlfriend's clothes are still in the closet i'm sure there's something uh this woman really brings out the dipshit in mac <laughs> I, I had a note uh you know in the office michael scott he goes on this one of the later seasons he's like date mike and yeah. he's got like a backwards cap on this is date mac like yeah. this is a whole different kind of douchey version of mac that i don't really like yeah goatmother. So cut to the party, and they're all dolled up. Oh, and when they pull up, like, there's this, like, they clearly improv, like, what, what were we talking about while we pull up? Max's like, you think so? Huh, huh. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> what is that so? about? <laughs> you think so? Huh, 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 huh? Kasim is there, as well as some weird sash man. And, yeah, we get a shot of uh, El Presidente, as it were. He looks With like a fucking... indoors. He's shades on. He looks like a fucking... He's like... Gaddafi, basically. Yeah, basically he's Gaddafi. (laughs) Like he raided his wardrobe. That's clearly what they were going for. Mm -hmm. Which I guess maybe it's just supposed to be Libya. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, That makes some sense. Max says they should get drunk so they get some champagne, drink up, have some more fun at the party. But then a servant of some kind spills some champagne in the direction of Rachel. The the president just goes, she will be punished. That's crazy. What the fuck is this? He cranks it up to 11. (laughs) Immediately. How dare you? What have you done? That's what he says. Immediately. (laughs) Immediately. And Max is just like, hey, it's not a big deal. Right. And Sashman begins, uh, rescues her. (laughs) That's that's his origin story. That's actually the next episode. Sashman (laughs) begins. So so we meet Sashman. That's a Mega Man villain, right? Yes. His name is Nasir, uh, and he is the uh, secretary of... Uh, education. education right this all seemed really weird <laughs> why is the secretary of education like <laughs> on a diplomatic trip to paris, paris? Yeah. Work? i don't know to talk to teachers i don't yeah, know i guess he's got some was... school teachers that need to be addressed but he has a great question but we find out there's kind of a rivalry between the president and nasir the also, president's like oh the people love him as much as they hate me it's like what does the minister of education do in fake libya out of curiosity. This, he's the Betsy DeVos of Libya, and 
and he's this much of a rival to the dictatorial president. president? Yeah. yeah, it's like, what the hell is that? But uh, he steps away to talk to the U.S. ambassador. He's like, I suppose I'll have to be friendly. because It's like all a front because this guy's a fucking war criminal or something. Yeah. yeah. So Max thanks the sash man. Because <laughs> I'm the sash man. So Kasim introduces the two and he's like, oh, were you impressed by our like, glorious leader? And Max is like, not too much. He's a dick. And Kasim's like, well, then you won't mind when we, like, fucking kill him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Whoa. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Goes, <laughs> so he's a tyrant, and the only way to get rid of him is to murder him, according to God of Kasim all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that Nazir is the last of the house of Al-Deneb. Right. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. That's, like, the true Royal lineage. family, yeah. yeah. And so Kasim says he's served, like, through 800 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. All sorts of different rulers, and he's like, this guy is the one that deserves to to rule. Just like, okay. I mean, it's a good thing that uh, Sashman is like a nice guy, because it's like, this is like the 20th century, man. It should be a democracy, not like, let's put this dude on the, the throne. throne. He's got like a bloodline. Fuck him. Like, yeah. But then we get another flashback to 1460 Spain. Spain. That's right. There's a battle going on. It couldn't quite make out who was fighting who. It's... Spain versus the Moors, and okay. they're getting Spain is kicking the Moors out of Spain. I see. Is and this is like a voiceovery flashback. Yeah, where he's like explaining what's going on, right. which is I hate that. Oh yeah, so much. It's <laughs> such a pet peeve. So he's protecting the ruler, who is another member of the House of El Deneb. Right. Uh, His name is Bowden. 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 And things do not bode well for nope. Bowden. No, uh, someone takes a bow and arrow. <laughs> and cross, it's, a, it's a cross oh, Bowden. No, cross Bowden arrow. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an even neater pun. That's good. Uh, and they fucking shoot him. Yes, yeah, so he gets wrecked. But for some reason, this very condescending king is like, you owe me 800 years of your fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> to make, for, for such a self-serving reason, like make yeah. my, not like protect our country, like make sure that my family rules this country. And Kasim is on board with this. A thousand percent. He's like, yep, okay. Yeah. This is like when Mac fucking had to make that promise to, uh, what's that, in the samurai? To protect the family? Oh, the yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Give that shit up? Yeah, like, geez, Louise. <laughs> right. Well, that's different. <laughs> protect my family is different than put my family on the throne of a country. <laughs> that is so different. Right. Yeah. Also, why isn't his family still ruling? Like, he implies I guess that they got overthrown at some point. At some point. Does that just mean Kasim blew it in the past that he's trying to make up for it? Ooh. Don't blame Mac for your failures. Ketchup. Blame your <laughs> shitty family. <laughs> Can we yeah. talk about the sword fighting in this scene? Yes. I think yeah. it's cool as shit. It is cool. And his outfit is nuts. Yeah. He's yeah. got a fucking robe thing on. He's With got like the a, cool glittery turban. He's got like a shield on his chest is like his armor. It's odd. It's cool. It's cool though. I like it. I'm into it. Yeah. And he's he's housing people. I like the setting. It's like a cool castle setting and yeah. the, all the guards look cool in their Spanish armor and there's I'm just distracted of, by that beard, man. Uh, the beard is rough. So bad. No bueno. <laughs> They've done beards before, right? Am I? Or maybe not. Max had a beard. Yeah. It didn't look As that bad, yeah, but did it? Was Max's beard real? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Deneb. <laughs> Deneb. <laughs> uh, but uh, while he's consoling the Sultan, Kasim gets a fucking shot in the back, and they die like in each other's arms, which is very sweet. Very romantic. Yes. They have a real bromance. Aww. So back in the present, back at this embassy, Kasim wants Mac to kill Hamad. And apparently, yeah. Mac has made a promise to Kasim in the past. 
And that's why Mac is now the perfect candidate to leave Harvey Oswald this president. Right. Also, this mm. is crazy because, well, have Cass- we seen something <laughs> like this before? Whatever do you mean? <laughs> Was there ever an episode in which Mac made a promise to a morally dubious immortal that he has to honor in the future? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> My notes just refer to this episode as racist warmonger. Racist, <laughs> racist warmonger. <laughs> so, oh, cool, we're boy. doing that. Kasim's like, this man does not deserve to rule or to live. And Mac is like, that's not m- for me to judge. And I was just like, you are like, you are Mr. Judgy. Like, Mac also, judges shit like this all the time, I think. In this also, very episode. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. He does kill this man. So, it is apparently for Mac to judge. Sure. As right. Mac eventually decides. Mac what the fuck are you doing in this episode? This is this is the worst judgment from Mac ever. Yeah. I think when I see him, we have seen kill the like, president at the end. I was just like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" This is, it's this like is, out of nowhere. Too. Yeah. Like, oh, his cuckolding plot was borderline more sensible yeah. than this. <laughs> So we get another flashback to North Africa in a dungeon in 1755. Max throwing a jailbreak. That's right. Jailbreak. So Mac is breaking Reza out for some reason. The Reza? The Reza, yeah. It's He's actually breaking the Jizza. He's breaking the, G- the Jizza, the genius, <laughs> out of jail with the genius. Out of jail. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is he going through all this effort for this loser? Well, This like, loser. I think oh. he does not believe that he should be... He's unjustly... Imprisoned, imprisoned yes yeah. for talking to this aldeneb woman right well i had item my notes i was curious if this happened or before or after max stint in india because mm. that has a very similar like hey like do what the heart desires sort of vibe yeah but mac was in india in 1764 so and this flackage is, is in 1755 so yeah. Maybe he's on his way. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, Max, uh, you know, kind of following the same philosophy about like the heart wants what it wants. Yeah, exactly. So he breaks him out after batmacking some guards. Yep. He cuts his chains, surprisingly. But then cut your hands and your head. But then, alas, ketchup catches them. That's right. Alone but holds them off by himself. Pass. Yeah, two they're on going one. up some stairs or whatever. But Mac kind of lays down this thing like you shouldn't punish him with death. Blah blah blah. And th- this is where Mac makes his promise. The titular promise. All right. I have a lot of Or thoughts. one of two titular promises, I suppose. Ready for rant number one about this? Go for it. Why would you ever trust this man? He is dishonoring himself by making this deal. Hear me oh. out. Hang on. Hear me out. First off, I don't know why you make a deal with this guy alone anyway, because it's two on one between you and this guy. Like, you're not trying to take his head. You're just trying to get past him. I do not see a reason why you wouldn't be able to get past him. Second, we don't have any semblance that there's anyone else there. It's not like we see Kasim give an order to other guards to let them go. They've pretty much made it out except for fighting Kasim. Also, Kasim has shown himself to be someone who is willing to imprison and kill a guy for, like, in his mind, insulting a woman's honor. I am not sure why Mac is that invested in keeping this guy alive and dealing with him in the first place. That's point number one. Let's set that aside for a second. Point the second. This guy, if he is responsible for upkeeping law and order, his honor is bound to punishing Reza. Mac just straight up makes a, just straight up bribes him. He just accepts a bribe. So why on earth do you like trust this man's honor in the future? Because you're either someone who makes bribes or someone who takes bribes. Two dishonorable acts. I'm not sure why anybody is trusting anybody in this circumstance. Like, what is Kasim doing? He's like, well, we're both men of honor, though you can effectively pay me to, to not do my job. But trust me, I'm a man of honor. 
This is insipid. <laughs> also, what guarantees that Mac isn't going to get his head chopped off? Yeah. Also, why like, does Mac want to be Before you see him again. Yeah. Also, why does Mac want to be his friend? It's like, oh, you have my friendship. Why do you want to offer this guy your friendship? You know nothing about him, and he's an asshole to the extent see, that you've seen I don't know if Mac thinks he's an asshole. Like, I think Mac thinks he's an honorable guy. Like, why? Like, he yeah. seems he's to be... He's got a sweet robe. He's, I don't know. A man with that robe couldn't be a dick. The guy has his own, like, code, it would seem, and I think Mac... That involves taking it. bribes? Well, at this point, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Just make sure we're on that But level. a bribe for the right reasons, right? Is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It's, it's purely selfish. It doesn't hold up under scrutiny. No. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't. So I don't quite understand it because this is the alternative is fighting him. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know why Mac in this period isn't fighting him. Maybe he just wants to protect his friend. Who, I don't understand why his friends. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he wants that pair of shoes. Yeah, it's true. I can't, like, I can't let him die before yeah. he makes me a new pair of riding boots. I really want those shoes. Kasim like kind of alters Mac's I'm altering the deal. deal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pray I do not alter it further. Uh he says, all right, you owe me a favor if I spare right. this person's life. And then he says, a life for a life, which is altering it even further. Yeah, right. it's a different kind of favor. That's not a favor. That's, yeah, a life. So that's interesting. It is interesting. But Mac makes this deal. He's okay with it. For <sighs> reasons. Huh. We oh. live long, McLeod. I will not forget. Right. So we cut back to it's the... It's so ominous. Well, it's like it so obvious that this guy's going to make him do something horrible in the right. future. Yeah. And Mac's just like, okay, boy, glad, I've, glad I worked that out. Well, maybe Mac thought, just like you said, why does Cassim want to make this deal with Mac? Maybe Mac will die. Maybe Mac's thinking the same thing. I'll make a deal. Maybe Cassim will Get kick the bucket before up. I have to yeah. cash before he cashes this in. Anyway, we cut back to the present, and Cassim uh, has given Mac a business card of a restaurant. And he's like, meet there tomorrow night, and we're going to take care of this shit. Uh, and then Rachel comes in with some side boob. I missed that. Eh, well. <clears throat> it's in the Euro minutes. Your wife? No, distant cousin. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. It is fucking weird. This is my cousin who I have sex with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's very odd. But she's like, what's happening tomorrow? And Mac's like, nothing. It's like, oh, man, this is like Anne 2.0. No, yeah. Like, yeah. just deny. Just don't say anything. Deneb, gonna- deneb, deneb. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut later. Quay by the barge. By the barge. Also, uh, I looked up. I was just kind of curious. I was like, I wonder how much it costs to keep a barge in Paris. It depends on the size of your barge and where it's docked. But it's about uh, $1,000 a month. Damn. To dock a barge. That's, that's uh, not that bad. Although you do have to upkeep, buy and upkeep a barge. Yeah. So that's uh, well, pricey. But that. everything I read was that, like, hey, this is a, an affordable way to live in downtown Paris. Because mm. I can't imagine how much you'd be paying for it. It's, there. like, fucking insane how much, like, apartments and condos cost. Insane in the membrane. So <laughs> this part is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what happens, Eamon. So Rachel's like, you seem distracted lately. Is everything Okay. And he just gives a, a non-committal answer. And then she's going to go mail some letters, but a man comes with a package. That yeah. is not sealed. That no is not sealed. Way. And what is in this package? A gun. Right on top. And a silencer. <laughs> right on top. It's sitting there. It's not wrapped or anything. <laughs> but it's sitting on something. Yeah. What's it sitting on? Are like those some the bullets? Hay? <laughs> some <Yeah>. bullets. <laughs> Here you go. He's got some. It's a gun on a bed of bullets. Plus, she just opens his mail yeah. right away. Well, it's been two F? weeks. Yeah, yeah oh, two they've, they've shared a bed. There have been yeah. shenanigans. Time to open each other's mail. Meg's like, maybe you should let me do that. Oh. And then Rachel's like, I know you wouldn't do anything that didn't have to be done. And it's like, Jesus, like. 
All right. He, he's a mystic assassin. <laughs> he mystically assassinated Cannon Wolf. That's true. So is this like a magic gun with a magic silencer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of all guns in movies are magic silencers. That's true. So we cut to that night. We're at this like uh, Moroccan restaurant place or whatever. And so the president comes in. The place is like completely empty. And the president's all pissed that he's like, oh, what are we doing here? Like, we're is this in- the best you could do? Yeah. Like, they were in Paris. I want to eat French food. This is a friendly place. So they settle up as Mac is looking on. And he's like lurking behind a wooden. Like changing, yeah. <laughs> what are those things? It almost looks like he's in a confessional booth, but that's yeah. obviously not what it is. Yeah, it's like a partition thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's. Outside. It has like a little slot. Yeah, <laughs> that you can put a gun through. And the president is flipping out because I guess the press has not been kind to him. Yeah. This and that. Uh, so they're all sitting down for a meal in the dark. Uh, in the dark. <laughs> and Turn then Mac- off the dark. Matt kind of gets made. Because he, like, doesn't shoot immediately. And, well, but fucking Kasim's the one that makes him, because Kasim keeps, like, looking over, like, yeah. do it, bro. Also, Mac is doing this with a handgun? I mean, like, I don't know anything about killing other people, but I feel like a rifle. They're not that far away. It's is like- he? I, 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 I couldn't tell. How, I thought he was, like, way across the room, almost outside, like, from a window. It's like, shouldn't no, Mac be shooting with a rifle? He's, like, in the room. Yeah, he's, like... He's in the room! Yeah. <laughs> it's coming from inside the house! Yeah. But Mac fucking chokes i'm like judging mac for not killing this president well i'm curious why Cassim never just kills the president well he tries well at yeah. this point but just like fucking do it like what is the, all this charade about like yeah what is this charade about because he doesn't want to get killed well then his Cassim just should blow he should just blow up like a whole room and just be like oh i guess i survived like you know yeah just kill everybody because the only other people there are like some like ss officer type goons I like that you're just really advocating for killing more people. <laughs> it's like, well, if if Kasim was like a smart terrorist, he would. Well, he's a bad guy. I guess so. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a bad dude. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I not. Know. I mean, I was just ragging. I was shitting on him a lot before, but we don't know for a fact that he's a bad guy. Right? No, well, I guess he's, not. He's got such an oddly personal motivation for something so important. It just seems like, like millions of people's lives hinge on this decision. I get that Kasim thinks that the Minister of Education is a good guy, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I made a promise to his dad is <laughs> not yeah. a great reason yeah. for him to be the new president. Right. I don't know. It just seems like Kasim's had a lot of time to like take care of business. Right. It's just like, do it. I don't know. Well, I guess he did. was going to take care of it, but then Duncan had to fucking stick his nose into it. But That's even true. that seemed like a weird attempt. Yeah. Like, Hey, there's a small window of time when he gets out of the house and goes into his car. Can you shoot him with a handgun? Like, that was the plan? Like, this restaurant plan seems better. Out in the open. Out in the open in the middle of the day. Like, why not at the restaurant? Kasim's not really thinking. But the president gets gets hit to this and is like, guards. And then Kasim points his gun at Mac and then points it at the president. Why? (sighs) Like, why does he think he's going to be able to pull this off? Is he, like, maybe thinking, fuck you, Mac. I'll shoot you. And then he's like, ah, fuck it. I'll just shoot the president. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. It's like, no what, what, to what end is he going to shoot Mac? Is he going to shoot Mac dead? And then Mac will, Mac will revive. Like, I don't know. This is so fucked. Yeah. And then he gets machine gun. Yeah. Death. He really gets taken <laughs> out. Yeah. I was going to say, there's some good Dutch angle use in, uh, in the restaurant, which is good because it shows that something is not right Ooh. in the scene. Is it that Mac is working as an assassin? Yeah, I think that's what's not right. Yeah, I think that's what's not right. <laughs> <laughs>
The Highlander Rewatched podcast is proud to announce the release of a brand new book of short stories from acclaimed Highlander writer Maury Ravinsky. Maury Ravinsky is responsible for penning such Highlander classics such as The Fighter, Brothers in Arms, The End of Innocence, and Unusual Suspects. Maury's new book, The Heart and Other Strangers, is a masterfully executed collection of short fiction. Don't take my word for it. Listen to legendary Highlander producers and writers David Abramowitz, Gillian Horvath, and Donna Letta. You will know from all of his writing, including his Highlander episodes, that this is a man who really understands the inner mythologies that humanity has in common across society. He really explores the questions and connections that drive us. I really admired Maury's writing on Highlander and also his novel Dreamkeeper was great. So I followed him to Saskatchewan in the coldest winter in 122 years to work with him on MythQuest. And I don't regret it. I love Maury's book. It had heart and charm and humor and sex and schmaltz, which means it's heart, but it's heart that's dripping with sentiment. The Heart and Other Strangers features 10 brand new stories, such as The Bare Naked Morning of Mama LeBeau, A Placebo Fairy Tale, Little Jeffy's Penis, Doc and the Bungalow Queen, and more. You know, Maury's a wonderful writer, and has always been a wonderful writer. He comes at things from a very different angle, from a very interesting angle, and a very humorous angle in this, in this book of delightful short stories. I think it's wonderful. Head to theheartandotherstrangers.com to order your paperback or Kindle edition of the book, learn more about the author, and discover Maury's other books, such as his acclaimed debut novel, Dreamkeeper, which was named to the Los Angeles Times Best Books of the Year, or his other book of short stories, Meeting God or Something Like It. The Heart and Other Strangers injects layers upon layer of texture and meaning into every tale. Ravinsky writes that rarest of animals literature. Order The Heart and Other Strangers today. Pick up a copy of The Heart and Other Strangers. You won't regret it. I urge you to buy Maury Ravinsky's new book. Buy this book before everyone else does. Order your paperback or digital copy at theheartandotherstrangers.com today. Ravinsky is a knowing and wise guide through the ventricles and oracles of the human condition. Enjoy the ride. We cut. What happens next? So then Mac is looking rather glum, and Rachel comes over to him, and they have a nice little conversation that's kind of about Darius and how he had this friend who gave up killing. Do we want to play the clip? Yeah, let's listen to this. This is a good uh, discussion. Then we can talk about it. Are you okay? You know, when I was young, I fought in so many wars, and I met a man who had given up killing. He didn't care who was right and who was wrong. 
He saw that life was more precious than principles. And you think he was right? I think there are some things worth living for and dying for, and some things worth killing for if you have to. But not tonight. No, not tonight. Then your friend would be proud. I wish I knew. I wish she was here. I made a promise to someone, something that I couldn't keep. I'm sure you had good reason. Yeah, but is that enough? Sometimes I think that a man of honor does what he swears and says to hell with the consequences. I think a man of honor lives with whatever he does. Can we talk about the moral of this? Sure. A man of honor lives with whatever he does. What the fuck does that mean? Does that just posit a world in which honor is equivalent to just shamelessness? <laughs> it's just like, oh, well, I know I did a bunch of wrong things, but I can live with it. Therefore, I'm a man of honor. What does that mean? I think it means more like, or I took it to mean more like owning what you do. Taking ownership? I don't know. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah, it's something kind of like that. It's like promising someone you're going to do something bad. So is it honorable to keep the promise, but you've still done a bad thing? It's more honorable to just do a good thing. Like, I think it's more about, like, your words are not your honor. Your actions are your honor. Well, I think the honorable thing is not to make promises to bad people who are going to make you do bad things. Like, once you've done that, you've lost the ability to behave, to behave well. Or is the honorable thing doing whatever it took to get uh, the RZA out of jail for being in love? Fight the guy. <laughs> no. I'm just, well, I'm just but you saying, might get hurt, you, man. You he chose to bribe a bad person with a price that he knew was going to be too costly. Like he made that decision, yeah. Thus, setting this in motion. Like when he comes back and says, "Ooh, so you owe me a favor, a life for a life." It's like you know what's coming. Maybe there's a world in which that means that you equivalently spare someone important to him. But what are the odds you're threatening the life of someone important to him? Almost zero. So that effectively means you are going to kill someone for him in the future. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I've signed on to this. And then he's like, oh, I'm really in a bind now. And it's like, yeah, no shit, you're in a jam, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just took it as like owning your actions, I guess. But it's kind of just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. <laughs> you yeah. just give a bunch well, I mean, of I think that the line yeah. about living, living with it or whatever... That's about owning your actions, like... Not running away from it. I don't know. I think we're all reading into it. You know what I mean? Like, I think... I don't know how like, much is you, actually there. Yeah, I don't know. It's Can you there, live there. with killing a person? Mac needs to, because he's killed a gajillion people. I mean, he's certainly yeah. in a... I mean, this is a weird conundrum, like... But it's just like with Warmonger, like, the thing he's being asked to do is wrong. Yeah, but in Warmonger, it's different. In Warmonger, he receives the benefit of something, and the price is inaction. He's, right. He basically says, I'm going to do this thing for you, but then, which was, I believe, sparing this Russian family, right. essentially, but the game does not exist between the two of us. You will leave me alone forever. Like, he doesn't have to do anything affirmative. He just needs to leave the guy alone. I can see that being a more attractive deal. 
Now he's made a promise to affirmatively do something that he knows or should know will probably be morally dubious in the future, right? Like, the costs are different. And what are the costs he's trying to prevent in Warmonger? It's that that reporter woman who's looking into Drakov gets in trouble, I suppose. Yeah. This would be saving her. And also that Drakov is like... A, a murderer. A murderer. So yeah. they're, they're, the world is full of murderers, though. Like, yeah. it's not Mac's job to track all of them down. Mac only feels responsibility for Drakov, really, because he's immortal. Sure. Yeah. And he has his... And also, like, he's the only one that can kill him, in a way. In a way. Right. Oh, and the old man. Who guilts him into yeah. committing this assassination and maybe destabilizing a Balkans country or wherever yeah. the hell they are. I don't know. It's just, there are differences... I mean, Drakov effectively just asks him to treat asks Duncan to treat him like everyone else. It's like treat me like I'm a mortal criminal. Leave me alone. <laughs> like he doesn't have to do anything morally dubious other than not be involved. I think there's a difference between those two things. I guess, but the threshold has been met for Mac to take this guy out. Like Mac takes guys out that have done far less, far far less than Drakov. So I mean, if Mac had just not made that promise, Mac would definitely go after this guy. Correct. After the president? After would, either of them. Would Mac have gone after Kasim for trying to kill this dictator? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know either, but it's interesting. I mean, it's regardless. so weird that Mac is so... Like, uh, hung up on this promise. I mean... The fucking guy he saved is dead by, like, <laughs> hundreds of years. Well, that's true, but I was going to say, like, all things being equal, like, this guy cashed in this promise on, like, the greatest guy. Like, Kasim could have asked Mac to kill... I don't know, his wife's love. I mean, like, something, you know what I mean? Like, it could have been over some bullshit. This ain't bullshit. Like, this guy's a war criminal and a monster. It's like, a, you hit the jackpot on, like, feeling pretty good about how this all shook out. Like, it could have been really more, morally dubious killing I will anybody push, else. I will push back strongly okay. on the notion that killing even an evil dictator is not a morally dubious action. Look at current Libya after we killed their morally dubious dictator okay. or look at Iraq after we killed their morally dubious dictator. But those, say, those ramifications are never put forth by Mac. Like what will happen if I do this? I don't know, but they fucking should be. Well, they should <laughs> yeah. be. But I mean, I think if the show made that argument, I'd be more on board, but Mac right. is just like, Oh, I can't kill this guy. It's like, he's awful. Like, why not yeah. kill him? Yeah. Like if you're just hung up on like, it's not my job. It's like, come on, man, bullshit. Like, one, lots of things. Not his job. Well, like, in but the it sense, is. I know it isn't. But you know, you know. But two, like, you shouldn't make promises that involve killing other people. That yeah. is just the. That is the lesson. Don't yeah. make promises that involve taking life. Sure. Because there is no morally dubious way to do that that isn't morally dubious. I would agree. So, like, that's the thing that's kind of crazy about it. And Mac does the dubs later in this episode. The yeah, well, then he just does it, yeah. and I like want to tear my hair out because yeah. Mac is just like a, an agent of chaos. Yeah, he just, he, his moral judgments are basically throwing like darts at a board. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's table it then, right there for now, because. Yeah, we're building up, obviously, to the end, and we will really get into it then. Sorry, I'm, I did no, not no. realize I was going to get so fired up about this episode, but it's the fine. more I think about it, the more it irks me. This is one of the most, like, discussion-invoking episodes, I think, because of how crazy everything is, and what's come before it, honestly. Yeah. So, he gets the buzz, and he meets 
Kesim in the famous tunnel or underbridge. Well, before he's like on his barge. I just had some notes that Mac is like chewing on something and holding a bowl, and there's a loose onion on the table. <laughs> like, like, like it's just sitting there. It's just a loose onion. I don't know. Very strange. But yes, Eamon, he does get the buzz. <laughs> so Kasim's like, what the fuck, man? We had a deal, and you went back on it. And now I'm dead, so I can't do anything. And worse still, Hamad is going to take this out on... Nazir. Nazir, Aldaneb, and like the entire line that I've thought a thousand years to preserve is going to be snuffed out. And it's all your fucking fault. Also, this is crazy... Mac is like, there should have been another way. If everything you said about him is true, maybe you should have made that information public. And it's like, it seems like it is public. Like, the president was complaining about right. the newspaper report. Like, I'm not sure how this is all shaking out. Yeah. It's like, a, what's think, public, what's not public? Like, do people not think this dude's a dictator? Yes. He they, dresses like a dictator. He, he basically do. went to the Halloween store and bought a yeah. dictator. <laughs> like, if there was a costume for, like, Mideast dictator, it's this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, first off, one, they clearly know they live in a dictatorship. Two, that's not the way dictatorships work. You don't just, like, have a how-wow about it and be yeah. like, oh, like, maybe we should not be in a dictatorship anymore. It's like... <laughs> It's like, hey, like it's kind of the point of them. Like, right, yeah. Yeah. it's like, it's like, hey, you know, like maybe you should make this shit public, and then spend five years organizing resistance cells, and then another yeah. ten trying to overthrow this regime, and like get ready for some massacres. Yeah, have you thought about an online petition? Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, this this dictatorship thing kind of sucks, right? Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should do something about it. So Mac is just so the not house of Aldenev is fucked. Yeah, right, and he gets a, a sword put on to his neck. Yeah. Because Kasim wants to, like, fucking throw down about this because he broke the promise. And I was like, shit, Mac has really taken, like, I think a risk, like, a really rough risk. Yeah. Especially because it would seem like both of these people are, like, men of honor, quote unquote. Because, mm -hmm. like, Kasim's all about these promises, too. And it's like, Mac, you broke your promise. What, you think he's not going to kill you now? Like, that seems totally like this life for life deal. Also, he works for someone who's going to assassinate. I'm going to go for go on a limb and call that not an honorable action. But right. Yeah. You know. Oh, I love the shot here, by the way, like when they're talking and when Kissam walks away uh, and then like Rachel's in the background, like out of focus. Mm. And then Mac like turns around and goes into focus. This is a good uh, little reveal that she's been listening to this whole thing. Yeah. Kissam vows that Mac will fight him mm -hmm. one way or another. I was sitting the whole time just like, why does he just cut Mac's head off? He's yeah. like him downtown. He's lied to you. He's like screwed you over completely. And granted, I think you're an asshole, but like, if yeah. you're an asshole, why not take his head? He wants the fight, I guess. I don't in know. It, or does in he, it for the fight? Or frankly, does he want Mac? Or does he practically want Mac to kill him? Yeah, because his life's work is ruined. Mm. I mean, I'm sure people fall into a pit of despair when one lifetime worth of work gets ruined, let alone eight. Yeah, this is a big deal for Kasim. Yeah. So we cut to the embassy. We're in the library, and mm -hmm. Mac has stopped by to see the president. And the president's at lunch. As one does. And there's a book that's The Wit and Wisdom of Hamid, and Mac comments on the length of the book. <laughs> Short book. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Why did I write the word old Cyclops in my notes? Uh, old Cyclops? Is he wearing glass? Oh, it's because he's wearing shades indoors. It's <laughs> <laughs> like an old Cyclops. Yeah, he is. Uh, but Matt cooks From up from X Men, uh, not the mythical creature. Aaliyah or Alia, Aaliyah, Aaliyah. <laughs> if at first she don't succeed, she comes in and Max like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> tell me what Nazir is. But she's impressed that he uh, knows her name. He's like, oh, you know my name, Said. 
And I had to look up what is Said. What is that, uh, like master? Said is an honorific title denoting people accepted as descendants of the Islamic prophet Muhammad and oh. his cousin Iman Ali through his grandsons. Interesting. So how about that? So Mac wants to find Nazir, and he does. Mac is like, he seems like a good guy. And I was like, what did he base any of that on? Like being at the party and he didn't want to like <laughs> punish, cut, like punish, punish the woman. Punish yeah. This woman. yeah, I don't know. Or a sash. Maybe he had merit badges on there for being a good guy. Yeah, yeah. I got the good guy badge. I got the nice guy badge. I, I got really... the why do girls hate nice guys badge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand what Mac is trying to do here. Yo, you got to watch out. You're going to get whacked. Yeah. And, and then he's it. like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> get out. <laughs> yeah, he's like kind of rude to him, but also yeah. don't un- I also don't understand why Mac is there. Also, what is the little pink book that he has to read? I don't know. Is that the... Is that the wit and wisdom? No, it's a different, oh. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Why did Nasir be reading the wit and wisdom of Hamid? I don't know. <laughs> He's reading the wit and wisdom of Nazir. So he doesn't take Mac's offer of whatever Mac is offering. Mm-hmm. Help or... Yeah, wh- literally whatever it is that he yeah. is offering. I don't know. It's like, hey, guy I just met. And he seems kind of ticked at him that he saved Hamid. But he's like, yeah, I don't need your help. Yeah. I'll be fine. So he meets with Hamid, who's a little concerned that he met with Al-Daneb, but he makes his favor, or requests his favor anyway. Yeah, so Mac demands that Hamid spare Nazir's life because Mac saved Hamid's life. That is super suspicious, right? I'm not saying that Hamid should kill Al-Daneb over this, but... It is extremely... What the fuck? That would make me think that that guy was scheming against me. Yeah, or that this was all a setup or something. Yeah. Yeah. My paranoia... If I was a paranoid dictator, my paranoia senses would kick into overgear (laughs) if Mac did that. Also, I feel like there's a fair amount of, like, hypocrisy going on here with Mac's requests. Absolutely. Like, Mac is like, hey, you know this life for a life thing, like, that I couldn't even hold up, I'm going to ask you to do it. Like, and you're a fucking, you're a fucking yeah. war criminal. Uh, and I know there's like a difference between like taking a life rather than sparing a life, but still, like it Mac is, is asking kind of the same deal, and he couldn't even do it. He couldn't hack it. He couldn't ha- Mac and hack it. Yeah, he couldn't hack it or Mac it. Nope. So Hamid's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Immediate defenestration. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, so you can leave, right? But Mac is like, and if you don't, he's like, so I won't see you again, right? And Mac's like, well, not unless you break your promise. Yeah, it's like, whoa, you're just yeah. threatening this guy? Yeah, yeah, threatening the president of a sovereign nation while on embassy soil. So he's like functionally in, in his country, fake Libya right? Yeah. as he makes this threat. And then in the dark, Gaddafi puts on his glasses and is like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> like That's how this scene ends. He just throws on his shades and that's it. <laughs> yeah, He needed the pun. So I don't make any promises. <laughs> <laughs> so later that night in the embassy, the president comes into Nasir's room, a completely dark room yeah. in which Nasir's reading in the dark, and the president Bedford comes eyes. in with his yeah. sunglasses on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why would Duncan McLeod wish to kill me? And it's intercut with uh, Mac walking to the barge. Which is on fire. <laughs> yes, yes, this is all intercut. This is cool, the barge on fire. It seems intense, and I didn't quite understand why it happened. And Rachel, is she in there? Who Rachel! Knows? Rachel! So, no, Hamid, she's not in there. If this show had, like, obviously more time and a budget, that would be a great scene. Like, if Mac thinks she's in there, yeah. like, Mac's going to need to, like, go into the barge to save her, and she won't be there. Mm. And melt. And melt. <laughs> yeah, melt. <laughs> Hamid is going to frame Nasir for suicide. Right. And proceeds to just throw him out a fucking window. <laughs> Which is apparently a popular means of dispatch in this episode. Yeah. 
You got a good scream. Yeah. I don't know. I could have really gone for what's the uh, the scream from Star oh, Wars? The Wilhelm scream. The Wilhelm scream. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been great if he threw him out like the second story window and it and just cut to did that, that Richie the Richie fall yeah. where he's like on a skyscraper in <laughs> <laughs> a purple suit. And then he explodes for some reason. <laughs> so the, like, the story is that Nazir was so embarrassed or guilty about being exposed in this assassination plot that he kills himself. Right. Which this... This doesn't make doesn't any make, sense. Like, Mac's going to come after you. Like, what does Hamid care or think that's relevant? Yeah, it's him. Mac's just some schlub on the street. So I guess he just doesn't care about this promise he made. Yeah, he's a scumbag. Of course he doesn't care about this promise he made. Isn't this strange, too? Like, but he kills the guy right away. <laughs> like, right away. He, he doesn't even, he like, home? dress him up a little bit. Yeah. Like, scum to Olivia. Hamad has got a weird sense of honor to like, he really wants to pay Mac back for saving his life. Like he presses on that a number of times. Like, yeah. what can I do for you? Like, I still owe you something. Well, like, lots of people love doing nice, th- like nice things for other people that cost them nothing. Oh, sure. Like if Mac had said, give me a new barge, she probably would have been like, here you go. Right. But I, th- I feel like he just keeps pressing it. Like Mac, Mac seems to be able to go willy nilly in this embassy. Like he just keeps showing up and they're like, yeah, let him in. It's like, haven't we taken care of this already? Like we invited you to the party. That's enough. I don't know. So now we go to the police station and we get Beige Watch Nights. This is, what is the purpose of this scene? Uh, there is none. <laughs> <laughs> and then all Beige Watch Nights wants to do is accuse Mac of being in on it. Mac's like, my home was blown apart. <laughs> yeah. <by this."> <laughs> <laughs> Two days before, you foil an assassination attempt, and then your house is blown up? Like, Why hey. Why say that so... Maybe it's like the assassin he foiled getting revenge. Yeah. Yeah, like and why does she say that like like an accusation? Yeah. I don't understand why like, this is why he him would something. know something about that. Right. It's like, yes, I foiled an assassination and now I am being targeted. Like yeah, isn't that like, the logical conclusion to should this? Be? Yeah, and that's like a perfectly logical conclusion that doesn't involve insulting the victim. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> home just burnt like, down. Like yeah. that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, so your house burnt down, huh? <laughs> Maybe so she thinks he's committing it. barge fraud. Yeah. It's a, this whole episode is just an insurance scam. She's in the barge barge unit. Highlander, <laughs> barge investigations barge unit. unit. It's yeah. really a slow chases down the Seine. Yeah. Like three miles an hour. He's using the channel. Barges are represented by two equally important branches. Yeah. <laughs> so Mac is released. And outside, there is some fucking clown who slips something into Mac's pocket. I don't get this either. He like so he's giving him a phone, but and instead of like just handing up. to it it to him, he, he like stops it in his pocket <laughs> and then like runs away at top speed. It makes you, it seem like he's robbing him. Like yeah. I think in the moment, you wouldn't even think someone put something on me. They must be taking something, right? Yeah. Why are their hands in my pocket? <laughs> this is nuts. So Mac chases this dude this down. Is kind of a cool stunt. Yeah, I like but, Mac running. Yeah. You gotta love, you gotta love a Mac run. Yeah, gotta love a Mac run. But uh, so what this exactly guy did he put in his pocket? It's a it's cell a phone. phone. Why so does he just walk up and hand it? That's to what him? I'm saying. Like, it's, yeah, he'll, here, here you go. Yeah, Bye. you're expecting a call. I guess are they afraid that Mac will then capture this person and then beat beat the secret out of him? <laughs> yeah, whatever. and like turn him into the police. I don't beat, know. Beat him off. Seems like there's other ways. Hostage. They also yeah. could just call Mac at his house if they didn't burn, burn it, it down. Yeah. If they were gonna catnap Rachel, burning the barge is superfluous. Yeah. That's a great point. Just that's call what, him up if yeah. that's what you want. Is hello is this barge? This is so nuts. <laughs> the phone call is Kasim has Rachel held hostage. Oh yeah, at this restaurant. So this is also nuts. I mean, two things. One, 
I'm still on board. Kasim just fucking going after Hamad. Like, yeah. in some ways, he also has the element of surprise. Like, everyone thinks he's dead. So yeah, no one's going right. to stop him. And he knows all the inner workings yeah. of the whatever. Also, you're, like, you're fucking invincible. Like, just go yeah. tear up the place. <laughs> yeah, you got nothing to lose. At this yeah. Point. Yeah. But now it's more important for him to get revenge on Mac. Like, he, he fucking burned Mac's fucking barge down. Why don't you burn yeah. the embassy down or whatever it is? Just With- burn it. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah, maybe he doesn't want to kill innocent people, but he kid- kidnaps Rachel. Yeah, see, <laughs> I kill her though. Just locks her in a pantry. Yeah, but the thing that's crazy with he, the other perishable goods. He kidnaps goods. Rachel. That's a great line. Actually. That is a good line. She's locked up in the pantry with the other perishable goods. <laughs> the other thing that's weird, like when he first kidnaps Rachel, I thought he would be like, "Well, I've kidnapped her. We're gonna play this life for a life game again. You do need to go kill him, and I will give you Rachel back." But his game is just like, "I've kidnapped her. Come and fight me." It's like, first, you could have done this before. Like, I don't understand why he needs to kidnap anybody. Like, is he just worried that Mac is just going to keep refusing to fight him? Yeah. In like, which case, just kill him. Yeah. I mean, he had a sword to his neck. Or is that uh, not an honorable thing to do for him? But it's honorable to kidnap his girlfriend? <laughs> Who, nobody has a good, like, a real good barometer on honor here. Yeah. Honor? Honor? What is this? I'm trying to combine barometer and honor. Baronator, a baronator. It's very quite work. <laughs> no, it's like that word. It does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> Nower, I hardly barometer. <laughs> oh my god! So Kasim's going off the fucking rails too. I think. Yeah. Also, because of all the '90s, between the '90s fashion in the present. And the giant red robe he wears in the past, I was like, is it going to be a secret reveal that Custom is fat? <laughs> no. Oh, here's another weird thing. I mean, like, the, re- the reason Custom's so fucking mad, he's like, well, now my chances of doing any of this are ruined. It's like, the first time you tried to kill Hamad, like, you, you just hired some fucking goon on the street. Like, I don't understand what is preventing you from just doing what, do that again. Do we know that was a goon on the street? Who do we think that was? Goon I, on the street. I don't know. It could have been someone else who wants to overthrow Haman, someone who supports Nazir. There are other candidates. It could just be a hired gun. We don't know one way or the other. I assumed that guy was hired by Kasim. And that's also the reason Kasim killed him, because it's like, well, if he gets captured, I'm made, so I got to shoot him. Well, that's true regardless, whether he's a loyal friend or just a hired gun. But I think you're saying he could be like another faction. Yeah, like a faction that's against Haman that Kasim is also with. Oh, but then Kasim is with. Yes. I thought you meant there was some other third party. No, just a, a complete rogue element. Right. They come at the end and kill Mac. All right. So we cut to this restaurant again. And they fight. Eamon is shaking his head. It's like, no, thank you. I don't like this fight. Well, what's no, the very, very first thing that happens in this fight? Uh, he takes his shirt off. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Why not? And he's got quite a bod. When, when I say he, I mean Kasim. Mac is shirted through this entire battle. Well shirted. Well shirted. That's right. There's a good line here before they start fighting here. Kasim is like, I worked for centuries waiting and planning, which is insane that it's taken centuries to like put somebody back on the throne, but whatever. He's like, after you blew it. And he's like, but you've destroyed it with your treason because Mac broke his promise. And also Kasim literally committing treason. (laughs) True. Also true. (laughs) Just, but go I guess it doesn't count because it's not treason to the rightful heir. Rightful heir based on what? 
<laughs> the bloodline. The bloodline of Aldeneb. Right. But my point was there's some good writing here. And Mac is like, I did whatever I could. And Kasim's like, but not what you should. Which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Mac fights in his sweater. And I was like, I had a note that like Mac really fights in sweaters like a lot. All the time. And I was like, can you imagine like in 2018, like the hero of a story, like his Fighting like, he's like his outfit is like a sweater. A sweater. Yeah. I mean, I Mac imagine. looks, he looks great. Yeah. But then, was it, wouldn't the sweater get caught on stuff? He gets, I he guess gets he trades that up comfort like, for, uh, yeah. you know, mobility or whatever. That's why Gasm takes off those clothes. Yeah. Mac pulls a dagger on him at one point. When is, where does the dagger yeah, come from? I, have I was no idea very confused by that. And it was a very stylish from. dagger. It yeah. looked stylish enough that we should have seen it before. Yeah. It was weird. But it kind of cool. That was a highlight he, Do you think he took, takes me. it off the bar like it was for cutting lines? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's I it. He actually just yeah. defeats him with a lime. Yeah. yeah. I also wish while they were fighting, like Kasim takes off his shirt, and I wish they fought a little bit. And then Mac takes off his shirt, yeah. and then they fight some, and then like some socks come off, like as they go they're strip. Fighting. It's like strip fighting, yeah. and then they're just naked. At I the prefer end. Strip Fighter Two Alpha, <laughs> not Strip Fighter Two Turbo. No. So we get some uh, more of this like philosophical stuff thrown down here. Kasim says, "Sad you can't even win with honor." This is after Mac pulls that fucking dagger out, <laughs> and Mac says, "A man of honor lives with what he does." Rick stabbing you with this knife, right? Yeah. And Mac lets him go because Mac mm-hmm. thinks the honorable thing is not to kill him. So we get that Mac's like coat of honor, Burr Honor, has changed. <laughs> to keep has it changed? I, it's, it... I, don't, I know it seems to. It seems like he has a new metric for it, which is just living with it. I'm an honorable man. Like just so just whatever Mac does is honorable as long as he lives with he it. He has to, yeah. I, Insipid. Kissim's like this changes nothing and storms off. So like, cool. You might have just let this very angry man loose in the world. Who knows what he's going to do. But he rescues Rachel. In the pantry. People in the pantry. And Rachel wants to go home to Glenfin and... Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Get away from this asshole. Yeah, so this is the next morning yeah. now, right? And yeah, she's, she wants out of this. Just like that bitch, Anne. <laughs> if you're getting... You know, she's like... Why already... is she asking so many questions? Well, Rachel has more sense, it seems. <laughs> Get out early. Get out while the getting's good. <laughs> Though she even still is just like, I just don't want to be used as a weapon against you. Yeah. Yeah, right? Come on. But I don't care otherwise. I yeah. mean, I could really do either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really my fault because I can be used against you. Yeah. Ugh. So maybe I should stop fucking my cousin and go home. Yeah. There's there's a good <laughs> that's actually lesson. The, that's actually the name of Rudy Giuliani's memoir. <laughs> so Rachel uh, drives off forever. There she goes. Never so this be, is it for her? This is it. She's not wow. coming back. I can't say I'm going to miss her. No. I hate this character. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all because she was so mean and no yeah. one, right? Yeah. Well, and she doesn't do anything in this episode. Yeah. She, she gets just kidnapped. gets kidnapped. Yeah. I'm glad they brought her all the way from Glenfinnan to get fucking Princess Toadstooled. Yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't say she does nothing. Let's. I'd give her a little bit she more gets, credit. She, she does gets, give Mac a talking to about what honor means. That's true. She gives Mac she his gives, new motto. She gives, <laughs> gives Mac his new stupid code of honor, <laughs> yeah. which is no code at all. <laughs> She's like, what if the rule is there are no rules? <laughs> and he's like, sign me up, babe. And yeah, she you gives, have to live with gives it. him a sword. She cleans his apartment up a little bit. That's or right. His, his barge. Okay, great. Some so, womanly. So she's a barge. kidnapped maid. Great. <laughs> that's right. Well, she knows how to run an inn. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's true. The housekeeping's part of the gig. Who's been running the inn this whole time? It's a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's going to come to a real shit show. She's going to have a bunch of squatters to evict. Think it's the off season? Oh, maybe. Yeah. It's winter. The rainy season, maybe. The All right, so we cut season. now, and we're back at the embassy. This is the conclusion of the, the exciting conclusion of this episode. Hamad's at his desk. Then so the, go, who's there? 
Mac is there. And, I told uh, you I'd be back. Well, let's just describe what happens here. So Mac shows up, and what does he do? He throws him out a fucking window. Yeah. He's like, I told you what would happen. You didn't follow your word, so I'm throwing you out a window. And he does it. And I'm going. And he's like, I'm going to keep my promise. And he's like, a life for a life. And then, boom. Credits. Yeah, it's like so abrupt at the end. It's like, holy shit. This is fucked up. It's really <laughs> Fuck up. this. The only thing that could make this better is if it had a freeze frame at the end when Hamad was like out the window, yeah. ah, like falling. This might be the worst moment in Highlander. Well, hold on. When you say worst moment in Highlander. The best of Highlander. <laughs> the best of Highlander. <laughs> this is the perhaps the most illogical, incongruous, baffling decision we see Duncan McLeod make in Highlander. I will agree that it's a crazy decision. Like, I don't know if I want to come down as hard and say like this is insane and illogical it but, is but i do think well i just think mac is completely wrong and like really fucked and so i'm not sure if and i an utter hypocrite yeah but I'm, i i would not say that that means this is bad i just think it means the hero of the story <laughs> has like utterly failed is like, an idiot <laughs> yeah <laughs> this makes no sense he's following the logic that when you break your promise you deserve to die why is mac still kicking right he's holding himself to a different standard that he's holding Kasim. Mac is holding himself to two different standards at the same time. Well, he's only holding himself to one standard. You can yeah. live with it. Yeah. He's like, all right, so it's okay for me to break this promise, but this person broke this promise to me. Which then so enables gonna... me to complete the first promise right. that yeah. I broke. He's like, yeah. maybe that's why he's, he gets a two for one here. It's like, oh, I get to fulfill two promises. No, he's having his cake and eating it too. That's right. <laughs> Great. Well done, Mac. Also, wait, like, you're also just now a global assassin. Note the following. Kasim <laughs> is the person who's trying to orchestrate this whole coup. We're led to believe that there's all this planning wrapped up in the notion of making Nazir al-Daneb the next ruler. So there's some kind of transition plan in place, some way in which we can pivot from the dictatorial Hamid to the benevolent Nazir. Who is going to lead this country now? There is no longer an heir apparent. He, but Dun Duncan McLeod just probably started a civil war because he was upset that this guy broke a promise to him. I am going to posit that Mac is responsible for at least 100,000 deaths Damn. when he throws this man <laughs> out the window. Maybe well, I'll say maybe it won't be so bad. The president did say they love you as much as they hate me. So clearly the president is not a, like he, people do not worship him the way some dictators are worshipped by their people. So no, maybe it would be a peaceful. are going to develop and people oh, are going to sure. want to fight. Which general so-and-so is going to pick up that costume and fight other general so-and-so. <laughs> if Mac just killed Hamid in the beginning, like he said he would, was going to do, yeah. his house wouldn't be burned down. His cousin wouldn't have been kidnapped. Right. Nazir wouldn't have been killed, probably. Yeah. Uh, Kasim wouldn't be unemployed. <laughs> so the moral is keep your promise no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> I am he ends up doing it anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am fine with the notion that he just says this is not a promise that can be kept. And he says that, and he doesn't kill Hamid. I feel like that is... He sh obviously should never have made the promise, but I feel like that is the correct answer once you've made that poor decision. Well, that's the thing that's crazy, though. Like, literally those exact words, this is not a promise I can keep, is literally what Hamad said to Duncan at the end. He's like, I asked you not to kill Nasir. And Hamad's like, that was a promise you know I couldn't keep because he was going to overthrow me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, shit, we're at an impasse here. Like, you both have promises that, like, due to circumstances, you just can't keep. So, it's dumb. <laughs> In short, Mac has no moral reasoning. He did not think about this. 
he may have destabilized an entire region. Hey, maybe the United States intervention in fake Libya or real Libya is in some way because of Duncan McLeod's actions. Yeah. Can't wait for them to send a UN peacekeeping force to restabilize fake Libya. The fake casualties are astronomical. <laughs> fake casualties. Well, what could, have, what could have made this perhaps better is like keeping a promise in and of itself is not a moral action or not, or not a moral reason for an action. Like Mac perhaps needed to take a step beyond the promise and say, you know, regardless of the promise, I would like to kill this guy. I would feel differently, I think, about his actions in the end. Because it just seems like I'm doing this because crazier. You, you think that's crazier? Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm just going to decide to become an international assassin now. Well, or is that keeping with Rachel's thing? Like, you have to live with it. Like, the, like, the action is good or bad, not keeping a... Pro- like, th- those are just words. Like, you know, you have to live with what you do. And because it seems like the only reason Matt kills the guy in the end is because he broke a promise. You said you weren't going to do it, so a life for a life... I feel like there's, a, there's at least more moral weight behind killing this guy if it's not about, like, you broke your promise. It's that, like, I think this is the right thing to do. And I know there, there are – you always make the arguments about, like, it will throw a country into civil war, which is very true on a very large scale. But, I, I mean, I think these kind of localized small events that this TV show tries to deal with, perhaps if we don't, like, extrapolate too much global politics into it. You know, this action on its own, I think, is, like, more tolerable or could be more justified if Mac at least comes to some conclusion about it on its own as an action, not as a result of a promise being broken. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This is nuts. <laughs> it's yeah, fucking this... so cold-blooded, too. Can yeah. we talk about that? Like, Mac <laughs> just is... stroll. Also, what the fuck is happening in this you embassy? You couldn't shoot him from across town, but he could get up in his face and hurl him out a window. Did Mac yeah. break in? Did he have to go through security? Like, there Did are that goons out. Let him in? Yeah, yeah like, the what the fuck? Yeah. Or he just snuck in. He still had some wires left over from Amanda from when they <laughs> broke into that mansion. Yeah, he really bat Max. Yeah. Ugh. Just nuts. You want to play a game? Game time. Game time. So we are going to play a little game we like to call three in five. This is the game where I will give a category and Keith and Eamon, taking turns, need to name three examples within five seconds that fit within that category. They'll get one point for each answer, and if they manage to get all three, four to- points total. Eamon, I know this is your favorite game. It's my favorite. So you get to go first. <laughs> it's my favorite. Is this also your favorite game? I feel like people hate this game. No, no I like it. It's a good game. It's hard. It just realized how... St- it just realized. It, it just, just makes me realize how that sentence didn't work either. No. <laughs> it makes it's, me it's realize really, uh, how showing, not showing good point. under pressure I do. Oh, I thought you were going to say, it makes good realize how not smart I am. I thought you were going to say something like <laughs> yeah, that. Like, okay. oh. Keith, why don't you go first? Okay. Keith, <laughs> I need you to name for me. Here, I'll give actually little preambles to these that might actually make them a little bit easier. Mm. Right? So you can like... Get yourselves in gear. This episode features prominently a fake North African country. Oh. Name me three countries that border the Mediterranean. Oh, no, uh, Greece, Italy, uh, Egypt. Correct. Mm. That's four big old points for Keith. Amen. Name me three countries in the Middle East. Uh, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan. Does that count? Uh, 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 Turkey. All right, I will give you that Wait, one. Wait, does Afghanistan yeah. not count? You were given pause on that. I'd, I think it's too far east to be in the Middle East. Mm. So it's but in the far east. 
Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big. I'm unsure, but with the addition of turkey, we'll just call it all square. All right, four to four, four to four. Tied it up <laughs> like Duncan McLeod's ponytail. Ponytail, that's right. Mm-hmm. Or how Rachel was in that fridge. Yeah, <laughs> tied up. Perishable goods. Keith, this episode features quite strongly Duncan McLeod uh, foiling a random shooting. Can you name me three episodes where Mac disrupts a shooting? Uh, sure. Um, oh, fuck. Kyler. Uh, oh, what's that called? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, counterfeit part. Nope. Uh, oh, this is rough. What's that called? What's the Kyler episode? See no evil. Nope. nope. There's Evil's, a word. For evil's sake. No. Mm-hmm. Damn it. I got <laughs> that was about 15 seconds. Yeah. I know that one. That one tripped me up right from the beginning because yeah. I was all I could think about was that episode. And he does I, it a lot, though, right? Oh, like, like constantly, constantly. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. You could have said this Jinx. episode. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> That's I even, I always I even to handed that. you that one <laughs> in the preamble. What was this episode? Promises. Promises. That's actually the sexual trans- transmitted disease that Mac got from his cousin. <laughs> Promises. <laughs> I'm anti rats and. Promises. Promises. That's right. <laughs> All right, Eamon, this is your chance to uh, really pull this one out. Eamon, this episode features prominently the North African Kassem. Can you name me three black immortals? Oh, shit. Uh, Carl Robinson. Uh, well, Kassem was mentioned already. Uh, 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 shit. Shit. Uh, Mother F from the movie. Uh, Castigier. Uh, There's also I'm Luther too because you sort of guessed Kassem, but yeah. I'm not sure. You just pointed out that I'd said it, but yes. There you go. But yes, Luther would have been an acceptable answer, as would Castagir. Keith, I need you to name for me, and this one is a little bit tricky. Can it be three white immortals? <laughs> no. Fine. You can't. Uh, Come on. A little bit tricky, but I need you to name for me. Think about the flashbacks we saw in this episode, and then name for me. Three episodes with flashbacks that do not involve Duncan McLeod. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, mama. <laughs> I'm done. Are we I'm... all just laughing? <laughs> yeah, I can't. I got Well, you could have said this episode Damn yet it, again. Another great example would have been Free Fall. Oh, yeah, that's an odd one. When yeah. they flashback uh, bro- through the painting. Yeah. yeah, Brothers in Arms would be another fine example. And In fact, that one has essentially no immortal. Well, actually, no, Cord's in that one. Hmm. Yeah. Just but you said name, without, with, without, without Duncan McLeod. Right, yeah, so Brothers in Arms works. Yeah. Fuck. Just to name a few. Could I, could I have said anything from the movie? <laughs> that doesn't have Mac in it. <laughs> I probably would have <laughs> yeah. let you have That's it. That's thinking like outside the box. Yeah. 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 Outside the bun. It's, it's clever enough. Taco Bell? <laughs> All right, I probably should have reversed these last two to try to give uh, Keith a chance to catch back up, Whoops. but because you've gotten two zeros in a row. <laughs> Amen. We have a long discussion about a man who gave up killing. Can you name me Ooh. three episodes containing Darius? Uh, Brothers in Arms, uh, the the Watchers. Mm, I don't know if that counts. Uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, what's the Xavier one? Shit. Uh, uh, the time is absolutely up. Oh, <laughs> oh it's been yeah. up for a while. We're just, we're just letting this go on for a moment. What's the Xavier episode called? Well, you misspoke, I think, because you said Brothers in Arms. Yeah, when I, when I meant to say bro- Brandon Brothers. Brothers. Mother yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Highlander. The Highlander. Best of Highlander. <laughs> All right. So, so you get the Watchers. The Watchers. Sort of. 
He's not in it, right? Or he is in it. He, but it's there's definitely like a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, did the reused yeah. things count? I don't know. I'm going to say no just to preserve the closeness for this final round. Ooh. Do you remember when they reused footage of Kasim in this episode? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> did that count? All right, Keith. I often ask this somewhat unfair question no. about members of Congress. We're going to switch it and up. And are you going to say that bit is that old and tired now, <laughs> so we're not going to do, do it, it anymore? No, we're going we're gonna to do a little theme and variation on it, which what? is to say, can you please na- name for me, after our recent confirmation battles, oh, three members of the United States Supreme Court. Oh. Uh, Ginsburg, Kennedy, and uh, Thomas, or, you know, uh, just are you, you're not going to count Kennedy? Is that what you're giving me to look for? Yeah. All right. <laughs> he's out, baby. I know he's out now. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. <laughs> well, whoops. All right. Well, let's Oh, I should have just said Kavanaugh. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> hey, Eamon, there's yes. more than three people in the Supreme Court. Also named for me three different people in the Supreme Court. Uh, Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, Kavanaugh. Yeah. Uh, hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh, Kagan. Elena Kagan. Nailed it. hey Thanks <laughs> you, for that answer, Keith. <laughs> you crushed it, this game. I know. I did good. <laughs> you did? With a final score of 10 to 6, oh. this one goes to Amon. Yay. Woo. Good Sonia game. Yeah, Sotomayor. It's a good name. I like saying it. It is. It is a good name. Not bad. I like beer <laughs> representing the southern district of new york so good times what yes. are our final thoughts Thank on this you, episode i didn't really like it that much i mean it's a rerun of warmonger basically right right we charged warmonger <sighs> yeah yeah it is pretty similar to warmonger it's yeah the exact premise of warmonger with slight variations yeah variations and on more problematic resolutions and fucking cousins <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like with this one, as with Warmonger, we were all kind of like, this dilemma isn't really, like, compelling. It just seems like Mac being immature or something. You know, having seen this version makes me appreciate the way it was presented in Warmonger a little more. Just in the sense that they handle, like, Mac's reactions in Warmonger are more understandable to me. Whereas here, I just feel like he's behaving almost randomly. Well, in some ways, yeah. this inverts some of the dilemmas in warmonger because in warmonger the old man throws at mac like you're just doing this for your vanity right you know what i mean like you're just honoring this bullshit promise just because you said you made a promise and like that's bullshit that was almost the takedown of the concept of honor itself in the way that mac understood it right but then in this one mac has in some ways maybe thrown away his vanity and says no i'm not just gonna do your promise i don't have to be beholden to that because the deed itself is perhaps immoral Mm, right and that fucks it up too yeah yeah badly i've ranted too much about this already i will not i will not load and unleash yet another chamber but this episode made me angry interesting (laughs) angry at the episode or angry at mac like i feel like there's a distinction to be made because i actually really like this episode a lot but it is anger inducing like uh i think that a lot of these problems are not the product of thought so it makes me angry at the show and at Mac. Do you I think these think, like, I think hypocrisies were... are just accidental? Like, oops, we weren't paying attention. I mean, I just don't think they thought that hard about it. And they end up with a result that's extremely chaotic. It's poorly explained. It's hypocritical. It's, mm. in a lot of ways, immoral. It doesn't play well. 
I'm not left feeling like Mac made a series of moral choices that I maybe do or don't agree with. I feel like Mac just, you know, behaved without reason and without <laughs> a compass of any discernible kind. Yeah. Like, He's really an, all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. For an episode that's ostensibly about this central moral conflict, the things that happen, I feel like bear no relation to it. I think that that's a miss that goes beyond just being angry at Mac. I just felt like it was like half baked a little bit. I didn't like Kasim that much. I hated his fake beard. Oof. I think he's a cool cat. Like, I liked his screen presence a lot. He seems cool. I wish he was. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he seems, seems cool. cool guy. <laughs> I just wish they used him for something better. Mm. The president was goofy. <laughs> like, old Cyclops? Yeah, old Cyclops. Was, yeah! His voice is ridiculous. <laughs> and Mac throwing him out the window at the end oh, is beyond the pale. That's just like. It's a, that is nuts. That's the most intense thing we've seen Mac do. Right. Uh, well, he did almost. He raped oh, well. a woman two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and he's following. Hey, that it's up. a new Mac. He's it's a new. Day no, he's a political him. assassin. So, <laughs> all right. Barring that, <laughs> thinking about some of the morality in the episode, and the way like characters view it, and this might help explain. I think in my notes at the end here might explain maybe what Rachel was trying to say to Mac. Casim mm. and Mac both of you honor as transactional. Like you do this, I do this. Where Mac maybe comes around on it in the end. And honor is determined by the merit and valor, perhaps, of the individual action itself. So I, I feel like there's something that, about transactional uh, two things. honor. One, calling it transactional is one way of framing it. I think the core principle, though, is that you do what you say you're going to do. Like, you don't have to make the transaction, but upon declaring that you will do something, the honorable person does the thing. It's sure. like, like, I think that's a very defensible moral principle. Like, that is the substance of it, is that you don't go back on your word. If you asked, like, the person on the street the definition of honor, I think you'd get a lot of answers that were doing what you say you're going to do. Like, that's a, defin- a, wor- a very functional working definition of honor. And I don't know that, like, viewing it as transactional, though... They cut, they, though this promise is in the context of them making a deal. But I think in some ways still say, doing what you say you're going to do is still part of a transaction. I mean, if you think about it in terms of money, like, you know, you say you're going to do something, you now owe me money or this. And if you renege on that transaction, you are now in debt. Like, you are void of... Like, I think that's where the, the transaction kind of is carried further into mm-hmm. this honor realm. I don't agree. know that I agree, though, that he comes around to... I don't agree I'm not sure if he does. Yeah. He says at one point he does, but then he maybe doesn't at the end. Yeah, and I'm not sure that's the substance of Rachel's point either. Like, that sounds very different than what she says. The notion that it's the it's about the substance of the action is what determines honor. I'm still not sure exactly say, what, like, this. She doesn't live say with that. what you do. That's what she says. I don't know what that yeah. means. That's bullshit. That's what it means. <laughs> I mean, because you live with what you do by keeping your word, too. Well, it's, I guess, it, um, what's honorable is whatever you can live with. That's a bad definition of honor. People because you street, can live with a lot. Like, yeah. right. And that clearly can. Matt clearly has swallowed some real fucked up things he's done in the past. Yeah. Quite honorably. Yeah. I don't know. It's a nothing, nothing. I don't want to. Even is so bored by this, <laughs> nothing this dichotomy. Burger. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> Just like, I don't know, Mac. Yeah, don't make that promise. <laughs> and don't. It was dishonorable to make the promise to begin with. And then oh. don't back and kill the fucking president. <laughs> there. Here, well, let's, let's, here's another philosophical question. Does honor and morality have anything to do with each other? Are we conflating two separate ideas? Like, 
is the honorable thing to keep this promise and kill, I don't know, anybody even, even if it's an innocent baby. But it is not a moral thing, but it is an honorable. Like, I, I, you know, are, are these two separate things? Well, you, I'm only just playing, like, I'm just positive. You mentioned questions. the baby. So <laughs> Mac, <laughs> Mac made, this, made, made this promise. What if Kasim was like, hey, yo, kill this baby? Right. Nobody would ever consider that honorable. No, they wouldn't. But he's keeping his promise. But like, it's I like, feel like there definitely is some threshold when we consider these things. That's why I said earlier I that this, I do feel feel like Mac hit the jackpot. And Hamid's kind of like, like a big baby. <laughs> yeah, so. a big baby. <laughs> I, think, I think there's kind of two ways to frame it. You can either remove it from the subject of morality and say that you're discussing two different things, which I don't, I don't think is necessarily a, a wrong concept to do that. Another way of framing it, though, would be to say that in all decisions, different moral principles compete honor is one among many moral principles and perhaps sometimes honor can't be the the one that wins so yes it is dishonorable to break your promise but like the overall moral transgression of breaking your promise is pales in comparison to the moral transgression of keeping it right so that might be another way to frame it i like the sound of that (laughs) mac he's got some lessons to learn principle-based utilitarianism i don't know this whole thing can you explain what that is? Well, sometimes people, in discussing the pure utilitarianism where, like, each individual action is just judged by its utility, oftentimes people will, like, zoom it out and say, like, no, it's, like, utilitarianism, but you don't necessarily thinking about it, think about it in terms of individual actions. You think about it in terms of guiding principles, which is to say, like, extreme examples that people bust out are things like, well, if somebody is sick, it might increase the overall utility on the earth if you just harvested their organs and gave them to other people. That would might ostensibly boost the overall utility. It's like, yeah, but the principle that that violates is so abhorrent right, okay. that the overall utility of the world goes down in a world in which that principle can't be honored. Hmm. So, zooming out to this example, say, it's like, okay, there's a principle, and so many would say is a moral principle. It's like, you should keep your word, and the, the world probably has more utility based on the concept that people behave honestly, even though lies may sometime, you know, boost the overall utility in individual instances. But when you have a competing moral principle, you have to determine the honoring of which will increase overall utility the most. Well, like, Mac lets Kasim like, change the terms of his promise. Well, he still agrees to it. Yeah. It's not like he adds it as a coda as Mac's leaving. Yeah. You know, it's more of a counteroffer than a... Right. I'm changing the deal. <laughs> I feel like Mac is, like, just taking what he can get to get what he wants. Agent Bedroom. of Chaos, as you said. Yeah. 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 Just this <laughs> freewheeling out there. <laughs> Just making deals. Go fast and break things. Is, yeah, is Kasim a bad guy or not? I mean, he's a bad guy insofar as he burnt Mac's house down and kidnapped his girlfriend. Yeah, those are bad things. Yeah. Bad people. Those, are, I, those are bad. I feel like we had another opportunity. They, they made Kasim too bad. Too bad. They, like, we have, again, two competing codes of honor here. Yeah. And he shot the the assassin man that was right. possibly his ally. Mm-hmm. Or possibly, yeah. That's true. I didn't think about that one, too. So, insofar as we can accept that it's okay for Kasim to be trying to assassinate Hamid, which, you know, you could say it's not okay, morally okay for him to do that. But insofar as it's morally okay for him to do that, I think I'm okay with him wiping, you know, scratching off the assassin. That doesn't seem to be as gross a violation as what he does later with the kidnapping. And, yeah. Because I, I don't necessarily get any indication that he's, like, a bad, bad guy. Like, I mean, he seems to be following a certain set of rules. It's much like makeup. Well, he's trying to kill or something. Kill, I mean, like, kill Reza for, like, a bullshit reason. 
It is a bullshit reason. And then he's willing to accept a bribe to not kill him. Yeah. Well, that's true. But I was going to say, like, I mean, at that time, I suppose, I mean, I guess it is against the law in that land to not speak to the princess. Is it? But I'm just saying, like, much like Mako, he seems to be an enforcer of the law. And perhaps like Mako, he should be lenient and understand there's, like, a range to this stuff. Yeah. But again, like, I didn't think Mako was a bad guy. The same way, I, I don't know if I feel like... Kasim is a bad guy. I mean, at the end, he is. He's gray. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, my theory is that he kidnaps her because she wants Mac to kill him. So he never. I think he's suicidal. Is intent upon actually killing her. He doesn't. No, I don't think he intends to to kill her. He wants to make Mac fight him. And I think he's like part of him hopes Mac wins and Hmm. takes his head. That's interesting. They could have dealt more with that. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think there's I'm a lot of good lot, stuff. I'm reading here. a lot into that, but but it, I, that makes sense because his his life's work is now completely useless, which I it, feel like is a cop out. Yeah. Like I think he can really make a difference if he wants. Sure, but well, it was a dumb goal. So. Yeah, <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know. My sympathy is limited by how stupid his ambitions were. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> <laughs> stupid ambitions. Before we rate this, how about we read the Watcher Chronicle? Oh yeah, guys, let's talk about Kasim. He was born in 1119 in North Africa in Tinmalal. His first death was 1152. Tribal leader put to death in political dispute. First teacher was Hamza El-Kahir. There we are. Original cultural affiliation, Masmuda. Masmuda? I don't know. Uh, his recent op- base of operations is Kuwait City, Kuwait. This Kuwait. guy's from Kuwait? Ah. Uh-huh. That's what it says. All right, uh, maybe that's where he's gone. Yeah. Because if that guy is, is supposed to be the leader of Kuwait, I'll like, flip out. And his occupation is advisor to the emir. Let's read the chronicle. When Qasim went to Kuwait after the murders of Nasir al-Dineb okay. all right, and uh, Hamad ben uh, Salem publicly seeking political asylum from the emir, I knew he must have a plan. Qasim took with him a servant from Hamad's staff, a former teacher called Alia who had gotten the position through Al-Deneb's patronage. Today, I discovered the reason for Qasim's interest in protecting her. The woman is with child. No doubt the child of Nasir Al-Deneb. Oh, he's, uh, he's, he's fooling around. That's right. Got a squeak wool. Yeah. Qasim may plan to protect the child with the hopes of someday installing him on the throne Hamad has left in disarray. Hmm. Or he might hope to attract a member of the emir's government to uh, Alia, a beautiful and marriageable woman. <laughs> With somebody else's kid. Yeah. And so make a place for the heir of Aldeneb in Kuwaiti power structure. He may not even intend to bring his plan to fruition this generation, but instead to nurture this last seed of Aldeneb until the line can blossom again with his, his eternal lifetime. So he hasn't learned his lesson at all. <laughs> so he's just, he needs to put this... We we actually didn't talk too much about like his promise to Aldeneb. Like it's dumb. He's like in this the weird scenario that like Mac was in in Warmonger. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. I don't get it. Why did he make this promise? Why does he still think it's that important? For why? I guess he thinks the Aldenebs are good leaders. They got it in their genes. I, don't yeah. know. Yeah. I know, right? I know. The fuck is I know, this? right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We're told Nazir is great, but he kind of seems like a little shit. So like, why he does we... kind of seem like a little yeah? Why shit? doesn't Casim just uh? I don't know, be an advocate for democracy or something yeah. like that. That would be compelling. Or live his own goddamn life. It's yeah, true. Get your own shit, Cassian. Yeah. 
Take some, take out some me time. Yeah. Let's Eat. rate it. Kyle, how many uh, Gaddafi sunglasses would you give this? I probably, if we go to the tape and compare this to others, I will think this is unfair. But I've rarely been so irritated oh. and enraged by a Highlander episode. So I'm giving this one two and a half Gaddafi sunglasses. Two and a half. Like, I was just so perplexed by how they let Max actions out of the machine. I've talked too much already. Eamon, how many wit and wisdoms of Hamad would you give this? Oh, that's awfully short. Um, <laughs> it's just tough. Life's full of hard decisions. I, I mean. know. Do I choose between honor or morality? <laughs> I, this isn't a three. It's not it's a, a five. Three. <laughs> no. Yeah, this is a five. This is my favorite episode. I think two and a half is the way to go. Wow, wow. I'm surprised. I thought for sure I was going to be low totem pole. I give I give a half. I was actually going to, in my head, I was going to say two. As much as I hate it as a plot point, Mac throwing the president out of the window at the end gives it a half of a star. Right. <laughs> Just because of how insane it is. It's nuts. Yeah. I hate his beard. I don't like the flashbacks. I don't like that Reza character. But he's funny. He's so he funny. He is very funny. I don't like to laugh. That's... <laughs> That's the uh, lesson. I don't like laughter. Wow. Keith, how many kissing cousins do you give this episode? Ooh. Well, there are two kissing cousins. That's true. Uh, this is, I might go four. Wow. Whoa. Four? I, I, Whoa. I, I, I get, I get whatever, <laughs> I get what everybody's saying. I love. Sorry, I couldn't do a head roll. I had to do uh, an eye roll. I had to do a whole head roll. A whole head I roll. love how chaotic this is like this is <laughs> fucked up decision like this throws such a crazy wrench into everything about max code and heroic archetype i think like mac has fucked up so much he is responsible for countless deaths uh four stars <laughs> <laughs> that was the lead up to giving this a bad rating you gave it four. Yeah. Four stars. <laughs> no, I I like how much this fucking... How it shakes things up. It takes Mac way down a peg. Like, it takes the hero of the story and it's like... This... Well, you didn't go far enough when you raped that woman. <laughs> well, he bounced back after that. After that, you know, glow stick baptism he had. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this really is fucked up. <laughs> and uh, for that reason... This is one of the longest episodes we've ever recorded. Which I think says something about what this episode, like, uh, you know... It's a provocateur, if I must say. Yes. Apparently. I don't know. Um, Very provocative. I, en- I enjoyed it. I thought the sword fight is fucking cool as shit. I don't know if we talked about that really that much. Like, I didn't like Aiden, it. We talked about it, and Avon said he didn't like it. Why did you like it? It was boring. It was just in a room. It was all, it was it was all like yeah, but they, shot he took really his shirt off. close off. I mean, I like the shirt. I think I'm getting okay, more. I like yeah. too. But <laughs> <laughs> no, like, it was shot so close. I feel like they were trying to hide that it wasn't a good sword fight. Oh, I see. I thought it was a pretty good sword fight. Like in the special features, they have like you it can looks see good the wide shot. I was like, that was great. It looked good that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't I like know. how dark it is. It's, it's very too dark. dark. It's very dark. It's too dark. The darkness. <laughs> it's too dark. <laughs> um, wow. Trying to think if there's anything else I could say about this. I mean, yeah. I, You've I, said I, only negative things so far. <laughs> I have not. That's not a negative thing. That's why the whole episode I was trying to make clear. There's a difference between like saying like. Mac is fucked up, and this episode is fucked up. Like, Mac is making the wrong decisions. And although, I will say, Kyle, 
It is a compelling argument that you've made about, do you think they've intentionally made Mac a hypocrite, or is this just all over the place, missing the mark, and as a result, created this insane bunch of consequences and moralities that don't really jive with what we've seen before? Perhaps. Well, none of this shit's going to come up again, I bet. I think Mac's morality does come up again. In relation to this? Maybe not quite in relation to this, but I think Max. Well, it could just be another episode that we pretend didn't happen as we try to unpack Max's moral code, which yeah. seems to change week to week. His honor code changes as often as his sweaters. So. <laughs> it's not that frequently, but kind of frequently. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> there we go. I guess we've been your rewatchers. I feel very defeated now. Wow. Huh. I'm pumped up. I want to know what you, the listener, think. Oh, yeah, for sure. I this is good. like... I feel like Jim S. and... Uh, oh, they're going to send us a novel about this. Yeah. Who's the other? Brian S. Brian, Brian S. 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 Yeah, sorry, Brian, for the forgetting The S's are going to have thoughts. Yeah, can't wait to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, uh, send us uh, an email telling us what you thought of Mac's actions here. You can do it at HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. And while you're uh, you know doing positive things for the show and interacting with us, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. Uh, we don't mention that one much, but we're on all that stuff. And leave us a five-star five star review. Not five fours only. like this episode. Do <laughs> one better than Keith and give our podcast five stars. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Don't do it. Eamon and Kyle did. No. Please don't do that. (laughs) Which is, one, don't refer to yourself in the third person, but two. Don't give us two and a half stars. I will find you like Mac did at the end of this episode. (laughs) Throw you out a window. Throw you out a window. Join us next week when we discuss the seminal episode, Methuselah's Gift. That's going to be a fun one. It's a classic. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye. Before we jump into this episode, I didn't even do the... How did we even open this episode up? You did the quote. Oh, there it is. Yeah. We didn't talk about the screening. Oh, that's right. That's oh. the second that, episode. That's the second episode. What timeline am I living in? <laughs> I'm like, we got to talk about the thing. The darkest timeline. I forgot yeah, really. all of this. We literally talked about this six minutes ago. All right, ready? Actually, I had to pee. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs>